0: What's up everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Drunken Boxing podcast. Today my guest is Bill Matucci. Bill has over 46 years of martial arts training experience in various arts, starting early on with Taekwondo, Hapkido, and Western boxing. In 1992, he started training with the great Ted Wong, who was one of Bruce Lee's last personal students and training partners, and Bill studied under him until Ted's passing. Bill is also one of Ted Wong's first certified Jeet Kundo instructors. Uh, Bill also further studied and researched Chinese martial arts, taijiquan, meditation and other practices, which helped him recover from injuries which were beginning to impede on his training. Beginning about 10 years ago, Bill started coming to Beijing annually to study under Lu Shengli, who is one of Wang Peisheng's disciples. Some of you might have heard of Lu through his book, The Combat Methods of Taiji, Xingyi and Bagua, which has been published in English and is quite popular. I met Bill online a few years ago, and met him in person during one of his uh, many training trips to Beijing. We had a great discussion where Bill recounted his many experiences and stories related to his training and time with the different teachers in different styles. Without further ado, here is Bill Matucci. Okay, so welcome, Bill. Welcome to Beijing. Thank you. You landed it's good yesterday. being here. Landed last night, huh?
1: This, uh, yesterday afternoon.
0: Okay, so. Um, I know you from uh, online from different Chinese martial arts groups and Facebook groups and we became friends and we started chatting and uh, you got an interesting story too because you started training uh, before I mean you might as well give us your background what what got you into Chinese martial arts or where did you just, start
1: just like uh, most people were, were Bruce Lee okay it's know. his fault his fault again yeah. <laughs> uh, about 1973 I grew up in Pittsburgh in a steel town everybody's sort of tough we were uh as kids, we'd walk the streets with nunchakas and stuff like that. Oh, so nice. We're always got... Uh, so, Bruce Lee, uh, sort of something to connect with, you know. Especially since we are all sort of like juvenile delinquents a little bit, you know.
0: Where did you get nunchaks then? Did you make them? We made... Something? Oh, yeah. Well, we yeah we made I was going right, to say. Brooms,
1: handles, and stuff like that. Even though, and my father also made me a halfway decent pair. So, anyhow. Uh, so, I went to go to Chinese martial arts. But there was really none except for... Uh, ed parker uh kempo, oh, kempo. and there was a tracy system they had and uh so i did that for a short time tracy tracy al tracy was one of the kempo guys oh okay okay And I what he know. did is he sort of he was one of the first people to really market the kempo you know right they had the belt programs and everything like that and about i think he learned in the beginning maybe uh you know a hundred self-defense techniques at a time and and the forms and so on so but uh, they were mostly into uh, doing a lot of point sparring, yeah. which was okay. But you know Bruce Lee and uh, reading his books and so on. You know he wanted to get to the real fighting and stuff. And and Pittsburgh was a big, pretty big fight town. We had a couple good uh, uh, fighters, uh, Fritzy Zivic and uh, uh, I can't remember the other one. Uh, and uh, what were they boxers? They were boxers, mm-hmm. and they, and they fought. Um, one fought Joe Lewis, so wow. Uh, How so, did that turn out? Well, it was funny. He 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 beat him almost every round except for the last round. Joe Lewis knocked him out.
0: Uh, well, thing. sometimes that's the <laughs> that's the the plan, you know.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, um, like Rumble in the Jungle. Right. <laughs> so so after that, I uh, I heard from uh, one of my uh, classmates at school that there was a guy there. He was like you know he was a pretty badass. You know, he was a weightlifter, boxer did martial arts. I mean, he was just all around. So I said, well, I want to go to him, you know, because that's like, you know, Bruce Lee's espousing, the sparring and so on like that, full contact. So I go to the school, it was Taekwondo, Hapkido and boxing. So I go to the school, very, very small school. And uh, they did a class. And then uh, after the class, he got his senior black belts and they put on the, uh, at that time, there was no sparring gear. So they wore a the taekwondo body armor, yeah. tennis shoes, boxing gloves, and a, a football helmet. It all <laughs> <kind of padded laughs> up, right? But uh, uh, I guess it was sort of abusive because our teacher was about, weighed about 210 pounds, wow. and natural a good- athlete. We were all like about 160, 170 pounds. So the football helmet was on purpose, (laughs) And it was spinning. Sometimes you get hit so hard that you'd be looking through the ear hole. (laughs) So then after a while, you start to say, I don't know if this is really protecting me or not. So, uh, yeah, so we did that. So. I was really into it, you know, going to school. Right after school, wasn't too far from my high school, go right down there. How
0: was he teaching? Was he just technique-based, form-based?
1: No, no, We just it was just like part of class. You did your technique, you did your form, and then spar. Okay. And then it it was different, you know. It was uh, a lot of Western boxing, you know. What do
0: you think about that formula for training martial arts? Do you think it's a good formula? For... Like making sure that you do sparring every day oh
1: absolutely yeah, okay. absolutely and then the western boxing to me i always think has a lot of truth to it you know yeah you know you have your balanced and 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 you're covered you learn how to move your body how to move your and to take shots as well as yeah. give shots you know so i think that was very important and i think that laid down a lot of uh my development mostly and that was one of the things that he did too. Sort of, he developed his own methods, sort of like the Taekwondo people when they would uh, kick that stand, you know, like much more upright. Yeah. And then people when they punch, they get real wide back then, you know. Yeah. So he sort of modified that. We did everything out of more of a boxing stance. So that sort of was. That's going very progressive. Towards, right. That was and that's like nineteen. At that time, that's about 1974, 75. So okay. He started, and again, he was a natural athlete. He could do. He could do anything. So uh, jump real high. I mean, he was probably only about uh, about five eleven, but he could jump uh, and kick the uh, basketball hoop. Oh, geez, that's
0: yeah, pretty. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. High. very, very,
1: very athletic. And so, uh, so we started doing that. So, uh, so about 1979, uh, our our grandmaster, uh, he had four schools and a martial arts supply house. So. Um, uh, he sold it all. all this all, this all one, in all Pittsburgh. All, all, yeah, in, all Pittsburgh. in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So then my teacher was teaching at the schools, and then when he left, he turned them over to him, or actually sold it to him. And and he asked me, "Do you want?" Because I was like, I was there every day, you know, training all the time. It's like they used to say, "Bruce Lee, you like crazy like Bruce Lee." You know? Well, that's
0: that what we call in <laughs> Chinese like like a martial nut job. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly yeah. right. You know, you're buying books, all kind of stuff. So you're
0: uh, sleeping with headbands on <laughs>
1: <laughs> no I don't think I went there If I remember looking down at the bottom of my bed I'd have like books all over the place you know? yeah Bruce Lee posters on the wall uh so he so so, so I would teach uh I'd teach half at, at the night time during the day I would go to the university area and be in a martial arts supply store okay so, I got all the nuts from the tri-state area coming in. Okay. You know? So, it was, it was actually very good. I mean, I, I met people, and, and from there, you know, because we were always in, even, even a lot of Kung Fu guys, and everybody the, everybody was into that sparring. This was sort of like a little more new, you know, trying to do more sparring. So, I met, uh, you know, I met people, uh, good, good you know, friends. They became friends uh, from the martial arts. They come to the store just to talk, and hmm. so I learned. You know, I learned some. Uh, you know, bando. There wasn't a lot of kung fu; just a little bit. Um, but I did. I did have the fortunate uh, to meet two guys, um, and they were westerners, but they could read and write and speak Chinese very well. Wow! And in 1979, 1980, uh, one of them actually learned. Uh, he went to University of Pittsburgh, went to the language class, and then he went to the military and was a translator in the military. Uh-huh. So his Chinese got very good. He already had practiced before that. He had already practiced uh, uh, Japanese martial arts, so he was into it. So then when he went back to California uh, in the military, he met a woman who did Bagua Zhang. So then he started to practice that. There was a so woman? There was a woman. In, yeah, this is supposed to be like 1980. Wow, and then the, and then the other guy that I met, uh, he was a psychologist, and he was uh, he grew up around Silver Springs, Maryland, and his parents were in the diplomats. They were diplomats, so he learned. China. So this is very unique in the sense that you have two people that uh, could read and write and speak Chinese pretty good. And you met
0: them at the store. And I met him at the
1: store. Yeah. So this is like this is constant. You know, five six days a week, there would always be martial art people coming in uh asian as well as westerners all the time so and all the crazies too you know buying, yeah. buying the stores and the and the, and the, the ninja stars games. ninja oh yeah ninja was very big at that time too. <laughs> so and, and you know people with delusional ideas and i, I i'd say well where'd you learn that I, well, I learned it from my uncle who learned it from this guy learned it from that guy you know there's always some bizarre story yeah. attached to it you know so uh one of the things that I learned from them was, you know, they told me, like, you know, uh, internal martial arts. Because their thing was, uh, the, one, the one that was from the diplomat, uh, he did Shingi, Bagua, Taiji, uh, Baji, and he did a lot. Uh, one of his main training was in Tian Sun Pai with a Willie Lin. He ah, was okay. in Silver Springs, Maryland. Shan
0: Pai, though, is, I mean, isn't that basically in just a mix of Taiwan,
1: up? yeah, it's like a mix. Like, it's, I don't know if it's exactly...
0: Yeah, because I've been trying to read, and there was that whole debacle online where it came out that it seemed like the whole thing was, was made up. Was made up, <laughs> right. right? And they were teaching some of the Nanjing Guoshu forms, and they were right. teaching some of the right. mainland right. Uh, right. 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 more modern forms and mixing it with things right. here and there. But this guy, you said he was doing Xingyi Bagua and Taiji, but right. where was he learning those? Did he learn them? He, over? he
1: learned them actually. There was there was two guys from Tian uh, that were in the tent. There was Willie Lin that was in Sun Pie. and then there was another guy that came over. His name, his name was Lu, and uh, he had he did that separately from oh. the Sun Pie. Okay, so he was there, and uh, so and one of the things uh, that, that he actually was the one who taught me. One of the first things he taught me was like, he said, "Well, since you do karate, and yeah, you know, he had it very much like you know Chinese martial arts much superior to everybody else, you know, uh-huh. this type of thing." So he says, since you do that, you need to practice like the Tianzhen Pai form, Baji form, and then he started to teach me some uh, splitting and crushing. You know, the, the, he says these are the first things. P twin, P twin, and Bung twin. Yeah, yeah. So that you could just develop uh, a different type of body feel for yeah. the way you move, right? So, uh, it, it was okay at the time, but, you know. I, was his
0: singing considered Taiwan? Uh, I don't really
1: know. At that time, I w- didn't don't know. really know. Okay. No. I know he was very much, uh, he liked Sun, Sun Lutong, and, and I remember some of the stuff now, going back, he'd do his more like, you know, like this. Uh, okay. His, his splitting, he'd go like, you know. More, more like that. opening more like yeah, that, yeah, like that, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but one of the things I did learn from them is they, t- you know, they sort of gave me an insight on, how to learn from someone who's Asian, you know, oh, okay. the protocol, good. Uh, what to look for as far as like, especially that, you know, people are making stuff up, right? and uh, one, and they both told me, it's like, if you don't find a good instructor, just don't even do it, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They said, you don't want to develop bad habits, you don't want to, do, so I kept that for, I always kept that... Uh, Philosophy in mind, but how
0: would you know though, as a beginner?
1: Yeah, you well, somebody looks good. I mean, I mean, good, correct body feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, even though as a beginner in the Chinese martial arts, I practiced regular martial arts long enough. I I, I knew knew how people should move. Right. Right. They're tripping and falling and no power. Right. Right. You know, and people. You know, the
0: problem today is that, like, especially with a lot of the performance-based Chinese martial arts, a lot of people mistake. That for mastery, you know what I mean. So right. um, that that sometimes. Uh sometimes is difficult for right, people to right. see and they'll say okay this guy's an ex-professional athlete and he does Shingy and would you think it looks right because it's fast and flashy right, right. and whatever but that's all he knows he just knows right. one routine right. he doesn't know the system he doesn't know how to use it and in fact if you ask a real deep Shingy person he'll tell you that there's problems with mm-hmm. most of the methods that they are using so it's hard sometimes I think right, right. must have been even harder in your day oh yeah because yeah. you Cause don't have the internet because it was
1: you, know, you didn't have any internet we were buying the books that were, you know, the Chinese books that were uh, uh, bootlegged in Hong Kong and Taiwan. We're looking through those little ones, those little tiny ones, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, the old Xingyi ones and the, uh, the other, and, and the Bagua ones, the classic ones, Sun Lutong's. And, uh,
0: but, you know, one thing about Sun Lutong's Xingyi book, it was most probably what we consider one of the first, if not the first published books right, on Shingi right, Chen. Right, 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 right. But even to today's standards it's a really well written book mm. and and that's you know that's probably why his book is one not just because it was one of the first right. why it's still so popular is because it was written so well mm-hmm. so look he did he did put in a whole lot of
1: uh, esoteric esoteric
0: types. stuff in there but uh, and some of it wasn't before a lot of the connections he he, he made he made right, right, right. but in terms of the singing and the, the technique wise his explanations were clear mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. it had photos which must have cost a fortune back then oh yeah yeah so that was uh, probably one of the
1: first ones that were yeah one that of the had first. photography right
0: yeah yeah so so
1: so I, uh, but I, then again you know I go so I start uh, at this time now Dan in Asanto he's starting to teach doing seminars and so on like that so there was a group of us that would just follow him around a little bit to learn the JKD. I'm still doing Taekwondo, still doing all these other things. Again, do, you know, do you know what kind of Taekwondo it was? Uh, we were with, uh, not, uh, yeah, the ITF. ITF. IT, so ITF. it's North
0: Korean based. Right,
1: right, right. They were real close to you know General Choi. You know. General
0: Choi, yeah. So I mean, a lot of people don't know about the, the differences. I mean, it all basically started with General Choi and a few yeah, guys. Yeah, making it up. Yeah, yeah but I mean, the whole Taekwondo thing was General Choi, and that was the system that he made, and mm-hmm, it kind of right. got hijacked from him. Right,
1: right, right. So right, it
0: got right, hijacked right. from him by people in the government right, in right, the right, south, right, and right. and that's why he, he was not actually North Korean. <sighs> But the North Korean government said, "We'll support your Taekwondo." Right, right. So he he allied with them later on to keep ITF right, going, and ITF moved its headquarters there, right. and he taught them there. And you know, he he, I mean, his guys were the guys that he was teaching were full time training, right, right, and right, they were right, hard men. Right, right, right. I mean, any any time you train something like that so hard for so long, you're gonna become really right, skilled, right. and they were skilled. Well, yeah, that
1: that, that was like. A some of the first tournaments when I did taekwondo, we only did taekwondo tournaments. Yeah, and uh, some of the masters that we saw—I mean, they were—I mean, phenomenal. I don't know how good they could really fight or whatever. Yeah, but they were phenomenal. And as far as I like, just doing a simple like reverse punch. You see, it it cracked, and it yeah. was, they were right on. And to be able to jump, kick two legs out this yeah. way. Not this, now Nowadays, they got even more, 300, you know, 540 degrees and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of their stuff was, and some of them was a little bit more, a little more of a wind-up. But if it would hit you, it would kill you. you well, know. I don't know if you've read a book called *The Killing Art*. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, those
0: guys—some of them became hitmen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bare-handed yeah. killers for government agendas.
1: Yeah. So assassins. Assassins. Yeah. kidnapped kidnap people. Right. Koreans from the United States all over the world really so I think their art does work <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but it has to be trained in a specific way I think yeah, I think the, the direction of the more sportified version is kind of diverged right, from right, that right, and that's right. the, the key difference right, between right. ITF and, right, and
1: right. WTF yeah and that's what we did I mean we, we drilled block yeah. punch block punch you know stuff like that I remember one of the things that, that actually stick into my mind this day is like you know the idea of a dominable spirit you know yeah. and my teacher one time he told me like uh You know, what you have to be able to do is if you're walking down the street and there's somebody like here, they have a two by four and you're going down the alley and they're bent on hitting you with it and you don't know, he said, you got to be able to get hit. As you're, as you're being knocked out, that you still have that ability to throw that punch, you know, to <laughs> you have did. that spirit and still hit them, you know? Right. And uh, I think some of those guys probably could have, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I they think had so that too. mindset.
0: You Especially know? the older generation. They, they were very, very hard, hard, man. Hard, yeah. hard, yeah.
1: hardcore guys, sure. yeah. So, so
0: you so, started following Dan Asanta around?
1: Dan Asanta, and, 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 and it was funny, you know, we, we wanted the JKD, the Wing Chun stuff, but, you know, it sort of got hijacked a little bit with the college <coughs> and that yeah. stuff and some of the Muay Thai stuff. And we liked it. I mean, again, we're all like martial art junkies, you yeah. know what I mean? So if it's new and it had, and it did have, a lot of it had application. And and you could, and the thing about the way, and he did a lot of like Western boxing drills mostly, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you could tie that in together. So it was good, but you know, it's sort of, I always felt that it sort of lacked. Because even though my uh, my first teacher, who uh, who didn't have all that super flashy, you know, like, yeah. the Wing Chun stuff like that, he… he, he, he He'd probably beat most people at that time. It wouldn't matter, you know what I mean? Well, you what mentioned, they knew yeah. he was just one of those very good athletes, had high, good boxing skills. He was going to turn professional, and uh, you'd have to kill him. You know, that was the thing there. You know, so.
0: Well, you know, um, I don't know if you know uh, when uh, Jigoro Kano started sending his uh, Kodokan instructors to the States and other countries to, to start spreading, uh, to start spreading judo. Sometimes they had some matches with wrestlers in the States and even football players. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes they lost to to a football player mm-hmm. just based on pure force, strength, right. athleticism. Exactly. So that makes a big difference. Oh, that you makes know? a
1: big difference. Right? Absolutely. So, uh, so it, it sort of didn't have that feel to it, you know. And like I said, I've seen a lot of guys, but I said, they couldn't beat this guy, you know. There was something about, and and to me, it always went back to the Western boxing. And again, the Taekwondo, hardcore Taekwondo, you put it, you have that, um, you've modified it enough that you have good mobility with the Western boxing. The ability to take a punch as well as give a punch. Be able to to fight inside, outside. And uh, as long as you're not doing a lot of flashy kicks... And taking you off of your uh, your balance and so on, you know, you got a pretty <coughs> good system. So I didn't really see that out of anybody too much. So
0: so, so you 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 weren't too, to uh, I mean you enjoyed the I teaching. I enjoyed it,
1: but it wasn't just like overly, you know. It wasn't okay. like it was something. <laughs> then I'm reading the books on Bruce Lee, and the one book that come out with Jesse Glover, you know, yeah. started to go and they talk about him practicing Shingi Bagua Taiji, uh, Tongbei, uh, uh, what else? Um, Southern Manis. I said, "There's a Chinese martial arts somehow in there again." So you start looking for this stuff again, right? Right. Meanwhile, and at the same time, did you ever meet Jesse Glover? Uh, yes, one time I met him. Okay.
0: Yeah. You know, do you know the, the last guest on this podcast, uh, Luke Benza uh, from Gabon? Uh-huh. He was an—he's an actor, and he played Jesse in uh, oh, in the in, Bruce, in, Lee in Bruce Lee story. In the
1: Bruce Lee story, okay. that's an interesting connection there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that he had a lot of things in there and, and again he was going and when i was reading the book it was you know in bruce lee's early development where he'd work a technique over and over and over again he was very big into that only having a certain amount of techniques so it goes back to boxing only has five hand techniques exactly right? so you go back and again it's that simplicity right so uh again you're searching for the uh jkd so I, I learned after other JKD, after the Inesanto stuff, because it was always like Muay Thai, sticks, Wing Chun. So I, I just wanted the JKD thing, you know. Yeah. I wasn't very interested. You know, double sticks, you know, stick and knife. I'm not thinking that's going to happen to like me, you know, especially the U.S. It's going to usually be gun, you know. So we,
0: you don't got to be walking around with you know, a stick and stick, a knife. A stick yeah. and a knife, you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I trained under uh, Jerry Poteet for a period of time. Wow. And uh, I uh, also did some training under Dan Lee. And then it just so happened, a friend of mine, uh, we both trained under uh, Jerry Poteet, and he went out to California and he met with Ted Wong. And uh, that's uh, 1992 mm-hmm. when I met with Ted Wong. And, and just, uh, just the first time I seen him, I seen him move in, he had the footwork. He moved like a lot like Bruce Lee, Ted Wong, okay. right? And then he had all the things that I was reading about, non-telegraphic punch, Punch coming from where it's at, straight line, all this stuff, footwork, mobility, and I'm like, I can't believe it. It was like, I was sold right there.
0: Where was Ted Wong based on He was
1: in California. Oh, okay. And we were bringing him in for seminars (coughs) on the East Coast, and then a group of us got together, about four of us got together, and then we would just, you know, we would support each other. I would bring him in, uh, you know, I'd bring him in, and then the other three guys and their students, they would come up, and then... Uh, and then we just support each other. and kept, you know, training. So that was that was really a great experience. And then Ted, over the course of time, you know, he would have what he would teach in the group class or in the seminar class. Then he'd have us, because uh, we'd have him come in a couple of days ahead of time, mm-hmm. teach classes. But what he taught us there, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the same thing he was teaching in the seminars, right? So anyhow, later on, uh, this is going a little bit ahead, but later on he... Uh, I started to see him one time. He started to teach some of the stuff, same stuff that he was teaching us. We always thought that was like the secret stuff. Right. Right? And I said, Ted, I said, how come you're uh, teaching that now? And he, said, oh, he said, I used to think it was secret. But if they don't practice, it's still a secret. So yeah, that was yeah. His thing, you know? But again, his thing was the Western boxing, the fencing, uh, and just the modifications that Bruce Lee did for the leading straight punch and and certain things like that, using your body, you know, using your body, pushing off the ground, never stepping. Anytime you hit, you're pushing a little bit like shingi. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, right? yeah. So it had some of those fun, uh, some of those things in it. So about 1999, I started to feel like a little twinge in my hip, right? Mm. So. So the
0: oldest time you'd been focusing on Jeet Kune, Jeet Kune Do. Do.
1: yeah. Jeet Kune Do. Going right. in at night, every once in a while, I'd see a Tai Chi class because yeah. in uh, Pittsburgh, there was like uni- uh, Carnegie Mellon University, stuff like that. So we get a lot, especially at that time, a lot of the mainland Chinese, right. especially at Carnegie Mellon, they're coming, they're going there. So they would set up like a Tai Chi class and we're just like, how oh, are you going to make this stuff work? That was my whole thing. And uh, later on, I found out a lot of these guys were just doing like the Beijing 24-4 right. and stuff like that. But they were pretty good at it, you know what I mean? They might have been... Um I don't know, they didn't do the wusu, I think they were more maybe a collegiate type of athletes or something like that.
0: Well, I mean, people don't know that when 24 came out, it became so popular in China and everyone, a lot of people were practicing it from all walks of life. They were just doing it, some of them just for the sake of doing something. Right. So it was pretty well spread. They didn't have, they they could have been nobodies, you know, they could have been uh, garbage collectors and they were still doing it, everyone was doing it.
1: So, so I go back so, so then about 1999, so yeah, we're doing a lot of still sparring, a lot of hard sparring. I go back, I'll digress a little bit, but uh, when my teacher, uh, one, one time when, uh, on Saturdays, we used to teach, with uh, my teacher do Taekwondo, uh, one time we were there, what we do is Saturday would be a hard sparring class, right? So, this is when I started to figure out, hard sparring is not always good for you. So, <laughs> it's a lot, so it's sparring class. So I remember that that weekend, because I, I I, we took a lot of shots. We never hit him, and he, you know, basically. This I, was your old teacher. This is my old teacher. Really yeah. pine the hell out of yeah. us, right? So I turned the water on and, to take a shower, and the water went on my head, but I didn't feel it. Uh oh. Yeah. So I said, "Wow." And then what we would do? Were was, you still wearing the
0: football helmet? No. I mean, <laughs> that time
1: we graduated to so a little bit less. So. Uh, so all of a sudden, you know, a group of us got together. We go down. We go down. Have a couple beers at a bar after a day, have lunch, and then I noticed. I said, you know, we don't really start talking. We're there about an hour. We're sort of like grunting and like, oh no. Mm. And not when about an hour. We just start. Finally, I said, you know what? I think that's, We're taking too many shots. <laughs> yeah. You know. So I was getting a little older. I was getting, you know getting closer to twenty eight years old. Yeah. You know and, and you start starting to feel that, and then at that time too uh, I, I couldn't make i was teaching i really wasn't able to make a lot of money, so I started to going back to college and then the kickboxing you get maybe paid five hundred bucks at the most you know for something like that, so you start to see where you know it starts to feel the, the damage that you're taking now is more so anyhow, going back to that the jKd I think helped prolong my time was this did you guys spar in jk yeah, yeah yeah we still yeah we still sparred. in fact when i moved back to pittsburgh and i went to a boxing gym one of my students he uh he was always into boxing he was a police officer and he uh actually organized the police athletic league. pal uh in there so he had a gym up in a uh it was a, a county park hmm. and a lot of the boxing gyms in pittsburgh had closed down yeah. So we had these old time Italian trainers, and they were up there. So we had pros, we had pro kickboxers, amateur kickboxers, pro boxers, amateur boxers, yeah. and we were there to do the JKD and stuff like that. And we had every piece of equipment you could imagine. Oh, that's nice. You know, and we had people to hold the gloves properly, and and the old boxing oh, the limits, trainers to yeah. give the ta- you know train properly and so on, and give us the right tips. So yeah, so it's all, Western boxing has always been something I think. That has a lot of truth to it, you know. that it does fast, definitely. You know, I mean, there's.
0: It's from day one focused on one thing. You're so gonna spar. You're gonna spar. That's right. it. Yeah. You're gonna get
1: hit. Hopefully, you don't get hit as much as you hit him.
0: Something,
1: yeah. Something like that. And you have to be in shape. Yeah. You know, I always think of the platform. You know, no matter what you sort of do, it's like, you know, you're always like, you do your warm up, you do your, you know, jumping rope, you're doing that. Then you're doing your shadow boxing. Yeah. right? And then you're hitting the mitts then yeah. you're going to hit the back and then you're going to do some sparring yeah so i i think those those five elements are important as far mm-hmm. as your training methods are So right. no matter what martial art you're doing you have some type of warm-up some type of hitting something yeah know? and then there's some free practice right know, as far as sparring so again going back to uh, see for war so in about 1999 i started to feel that you know my hip starting to hurt a little bit and I, say, and I try to tell people now, you know, that was one of the things. We used to take the bag, we used to swing the bag and hit it hundreds of times, you know, doing yeah. sidekicks. I don't think that's good for you because you're probably your hip both smashing right it. into that yeah. socket like that every right. time. So.
0: But yeah, a lot of Taekwondo guys have hip replacements. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, so and it's from
1: that. From that, yeah. So I started, and I said, you know what, I you know what, maybe this Tai Chi stuff I better start doing. That. So <laughs> Now suddenly it makes sense. <laughs> now it's making sense, especially since I I always thought Shingy, Bagua, you know, Tai Chi too slow. Yeah. So uh, a friend of mine who I knew, he, he was a Bondo guy that we used to do a lot of sparring together and I knew he was doing Tai Chi and I knew if he was doing Tai Chi he was going to be trained with someone good, you know. Mm. so. I called him up and I said, oh, he said, so he made an introduction to the, the teacher and uh, I said, oh, I, I want to do that Shingy bagua stuff, you know. So I asked the guy, but I always used to think from, oh, you got to do the tai chi first, you know, you're not, you're not eligible to do bawar shiingi. Before know? tai that chi, was the, that was the mental. Thing, uh-huh. right. It's a strange, so, right, it's almost, strange process. Yeah. So I uh, was oh yeah, okay. So then I was learning that a little bit, and then. Uh, I, so I went to one. I, I learned most. Uh, actually, most of my training, other than my Taekwondo training in the beginning, I've always been privately. You know, which is I always think was is good. It accelerates people's training. Yeah, because
0: you're you're not waiting for everyone to play catch up. You're yeah, not, progressing at the speed no. and based on your abilities. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So I, I was doing private. So I went to a group class, and in the group class, he was doing the uh, uh, 37 uh, posture form Wu style, and I saw. I said, yeah. And that hip's hurting me. That part was even hurting me now No you know, right. You know, turning in like this and so on. So uh, I, I, I said, well, maybe I saw. I started doing the Tai Chi. Then uh, two thousand one, I did have a hip replacement. Oh. Yeah. So I had a hip replacement. which right hip. Right hip. Okay. That's the one that you swing and hit the back. Right. Up. And it's so it, it damaged me pretty good there. So. Uh, but did you find that the Tai
0: Chi helped at all? Hmm.
1: It, it sort of what it did was it sort of like. Uh, it helped in a sense that, because I guess, you know, you're you're not you know you're not bouncing around, you're not doing mm. that high impact as yeah. much like that, and you're still stretching mm. and stuff like that. At Taekwondo, I did a lot of stretching, but then when I started to do the JKD and do more sparring, I probably did not you know stretch enough. Stretch enough, right? Okay,
0: right, right, right. right. Seems yeah. to be the case with a lot of people that start focusing on uh, depending on what type of sparring they right, do. Right, right, right. That they, they they focus less on flexibility. Right. And there there's also that that flip side of it where guys like start focusing more on muscular development. Right. And they don't realize that that's when you have to do even more stretching. Right. Exactly. So it's an out of balance thing.
1: And that's a lot of times too from the 1970s to like 2000, that's 30 years. All that athletic process has uh, really changed, you know. Even in football, the, uh, you know, in the '60s and '70s, people weren't even lifting weights hardly, you know. Yeah. What I mean? And it just started in the '80s. People start figuring it out. So that's why I try to tell people now, you know, just the, the training, you just have to watch. So, uh, so I got a hip replacement, two thousand one. Still trying to do the JKD, doing the Taiji. I started to have problems with the ankles. Oh. The ankles, I, I know that was probably from jumping and and, and when we trained. We did, we trained on hard concrete floors, you know, and uh, so that I, so I started feeling it in the ankles a little bit. So uh, I think around two thousand, yeah, two thousand ten, my uh, teacher actually uh, uh, Ted Wong passed away. You know, I was doing a little bit of Thai, I was doing a little bit of Tai Chi and uh, still a little JKD. JKD was getting harder to do.
0: Am I, am I thinking correctly that Ted Wong was the first publisher of Bruce Lee's books? Was it Ted no, Wong? No, no, no.
1: No, he was... Uh, Ted Wong was actually Bruce Lee's uh, training partner and uh, last personal student of his. Oh, okay. So he got I'm thinking
0: of somebody else and I don't think it, it was a series... Oh, Yuhawa?
1: Yuhawa did the... He was the owner... Uh, Mito Yuhawa was the owner of Black Belt Magazine and he published the first fightings method and Ted Wong was in those books. yes that's
0: what yeah, I remember he was in those that's books. what I remember so
1: Ted sort of saw like the final development the JKD that we sort of do that, that Ted developed was is mu- much more as Bruce Lee was trying to get on was the formlessness stuff you know right it, there was hardly any Wing Chun at all in it right you know? it was mostly you know moving and hitting yeah it was just his, his way of moving and hitting was very unique, though. It is different. It is different than the boxing. It is different. He modified a lot. And I I think one of the things about him was, and we had just talked about this, was um, that he had, and I think Chinese martial arts sort of relates to some of this, it's the ability to, the awareness of the body. I mean, I I think what it was with him was he, uh, I mean, he was a cha-cha champion, and he had 110 different cha-cha steps that he knew. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if you had that body awareness and that talent, because they did say as soon as he would see something, he'd watch you do it, he'd pick it up, he'd train it. In another week or two, he'd be doing as good as you. Then later on, he'd modify and go on. I think that was just all the body awareness that he had. So some of that unique thing, and he had that rhythm, timing, things that people, like Muhammad Ali, stuff like that, those things are almost like natural gifts, you know. That you but know. do you
0: think that means that no one could actually do Jeet Kune do the
1: way he does it, unless you have the same physical gifts? Nobody could do, they could do their own JKD, but they couldn't do it like his. Not like, like his. Not like his, right? You would have to sort of do it, you know. I uh there's a lot of structural things that I do the same way as Ted Wong, except I'm I'm six three and he was like five uh five, seven, right? Right. So it, so they're different, right? Uh also too you got different strengths and weaknesses and so on. So the JKD uh yeah you know, that was good and then and so I started to do the Tai G more. And, and it was Wu style. Wu style, yeah. And and, and and my teacher was, you know, he was a student of Wang Pei Sheng. He was a yeah. And so he, he's a legit guy. To me, he's like the Bruce Lee of Chinese And he marketing. was teaching where? Uh, in Pittsburgh. He okay. Was in Pittsburgh. What,
0: what took him there, of all places? Uh,
1: he, uh, his wife, uh, he's a computer programmer. And his wife, I believe, she's with usually a librarian with the East West Studies. Mm. You know, so she was there, so they were both in the U.S. So he he very he's very quiet. Well, he wrote several books. Yeah, I mean that
0: Taiji Classics book that that you sent me right, is right. his. It's a it's a it's, very well put together book.
1: Right. Well, that's how he thinks too. You know.
0: A, well, he's a programmer, right? Right,
1: he's a programmer. I I think he was also he did some teaching in China, so he has that mind. You know. Yeah, I he think, think that, it's a that, very yeah, clearly structured, structure, logical mind. Yeah. So, so
0: you know. but what I liked about his book is that it presents the. Um, the original text right. a translation and then his explanation right. you know right. and that's that's basically what i was doing what i'm still finishing on my shingi book but that was the way that i had structured it as well <laughs> because yeah. it, it it's it's one thing to translate
1: right
0: it's another thing to translate and explain and then it's another thing to translate explain and then also say how it how it manifests in your training you know right. Uh, right. based right. on your experience and those are all valuable insights right. because I mean, face it, those classics there, if you just read the classics on their own, it's not a very big or very, it's not such a gigantic treatise. Right, right. You know, right, I mean, right. you sit there and you think, but is that it? You know, is that it? But there is a lot to there it. There is a
1: lot to it. Yeah. Especially for a Westerner, the way he did it for us, that, who don't speak Chinese and read, write it. Um, he, he makes a lot more and you're thinking ah that I get it now it's a little bit more like I don't that. think
0: we mentioned his name yet I mean, oh Zhang Yun oh, Zhang Yun
1: yeah, yeah he, uh, um, so yeah his books are very good and then his uh, so when I started to come to Beijing and what was that is he uh, still teaching yes he still teaches he still has in Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh yeah oh wow yeah and then see he's, he lived in uh, uh, Princeton New Jersey and he lived in uh, Las, uh, Reno Nevada he lived there so he has students still there, and they still okay, and they, and they still train. He has a, I I'll go to the seminar usually in uh, New Jersey, and he usually has one too in uh, Maryland, Surface so Springs, Maryland. He has a group. He has a couple of groups. So I'll go to some of the seminars there, and he's. Uh,
0: and he's teaching only Taiji. No, he
1: teaches uh, Taiji, Shingi, Bagua, Tongbei,
0: all of Wang you know, stuff. Yeah, all
1: of Wang Peisheng stuff. Yeah, and he teaches that and. Uh, and he was there first before it was Pittsburgh but he has he has a great following I mean Mm. and because he's very good at what he does and he's very precise and there's no extraneous and he can explain it clearly obviously yeah I think part of it too was that he he's always had uh, students that were in the university area educated so over the course of time they sort of helped him bridge the the gap between mm-hmm. his chinese and then and then you know from learning that oh well you can say this in english this is a little closer so yeah. and he's yeah. learned that over the course of time so it's really it's it's unbelievable i can't when he when he talks and, and like how his book is about you know he takes a lot of the uh what people were thinking like like uh Like the origins Uh, like he he won't say well this is what i believe it's like well this is one of the this is one of the things that people say about it this is another one right here's another one that you know generally people think this is the more accurate one Mm -hmm. this is the one i think you know most of the time a lot of people just give an opinion see i like how he does it he just presents but also he's
0: got the cultural knowledge to explain some because that's the other thing a lot of people don't realize in the study of these arts is that especially if you're looking at old texts there's cultural understanding that's in there that if you don't have that cultural understanding, it's, you're not going to understand why right, certain right, things were said.
1: Well, I think what it is, too, is he's pretty highly educated, even uh, even though he's, uh, I mean, just because he's Chinese doesn't mean he would understand some of that stuff either. No, no, I mean, right, that's right, what I'm saying. Right, right, right. That's right, what I'm saying. Right. I mean,
0: I've got most of the, the I mean, like I'm busy writing uh, on the on the Xingyi classics, mm-hmm. and if I give the, the text to most, Average Chinese people today—they mm-hmm. have no clue. What, I mean, they can read the characters. They have no clue what the what's being said there. They, 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 it's not only contextually not understanding; they're not understanding it technically from mm-hmm. a Shingi point of view. And half of them don't understand the cultural background that right. was then, you right, know, right. or or the medical background that was imbued in, which was also connected to the cultural mentality. Because that's another thing. I mean, the the cultural understanding of that time included whatever philosophies were popular at that time at that time whatever level of understanding of medicine and physiology was understood at that time and which words they used to explain it right. and then the martial side of it so it's hard even for chinese people right exactly so, yeah
1: and then uh i, I started to come to uh i went with a tour with a bunch of martial art guys they were going to go to uh, Shaolin temple and uh, i knew this guy and which so, year was this this was in 2012 okay so, when I was there, I, I, I talked to Zhang Yun. I said, um, I know that Master Lu is in Beijing. I'd like to meet him, you know? So, he set it up, and so I, I met him that time. Well,
0: and, uh, what's the relationship between him and Lu? They're
1: uh, uh, both uh, Wang Peixing students. Okay, they're, Lu Shengli. Yeah, Lu Shengli. Yeah, they're, they're disciples of uh, Wang, Wang right. How did
0: you know about Lu? Uh,
1: from the book, from the book, and other than okay. the other, you know. And he's on his website, too. They, there's, uh, there's about five of them that are. Uh, that were disciples of Wang Pei Sheng, they stayed pretty close together. Okay. So, um, and then and then when uh, when Zhang Yun would have some of his students, they come to Beijing and learn, Master Lu was there, he teached. teach. Okay. The so they have that closeness about it. That's right? good. Yeah, what's nice about it too, it's almost like the story of uh, Wang Pei Sheng learning from his his teacher, Yang Yuting, he got to a certain level, Yang Yuting took him to his teacher, okay. you know, Wang Mo's eye, right? So they don't have that thing. oh, I, I'm a teacher, you don't learn from this guy. Well, you know? I mean,
0: we have it in my family, too. Like, my teacher, sometimes guys want to learn some China. Uh, mm-hmm. So then he'll say, okay, you go to my, my big brother, Zhao Dayuan. And Zhao Dayuan has the same thing sometimes when guys, his students want to learn some xingyi, then they come to us, right, and, right, right, right. you know, because it's a different speciality. Right. And they're Bagua brothers, but right, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's how, yeah, that's how people learn, yeah.
1: right. So then I met him there, and then I, I, he, he showed me the... He had a twenty posture form he had developed. He teaches at uh, Lu Shami developed. Lu, yeah, he's, uh, he teaches at Intel China, and uh, so there are a lot of programmers. Jeez, and these, IT these, it's
0: like it's like uh, all of his Wang patient found like the Silicon Valley of, of Beijing, <laughs> oh and he's got them as his students. <laughs>
1: so uh, so he developed this twenty posture form. Basically, it's like the thirty seven posture. Except uh, you know, there's no, uh, he took a, more or less took the kicks out. The name of the form I think is like Wu Wu uh, Family Best Postures. Why did he take the kicks off? Uh, I think more for uh, just for the people to learn it. And then what okay. happens is is that he's teaching it all on the campus and then uh then when the students are interested, they then become into our students, and then they learn the other stuff. okay, so that's sort of how that's there. good. It's
0: like an initiation version of the right. the system, right
1: so I learned that, and then I just was at that time, my body was just starting to you know feel the pain you know uh getting closer to sixty years old sixty two now or sixty one now uh so i I said man this, I, I got and what was really funny too was uh. You almost get that feeling when you start practicing, and you get a good teacher. It's almost like you get that—that that, you get revitalized. Yeah, again. you become young again. You get, you know, Suddenly you get anxious. All, yeah. And you want to learn, and it's, it's just like that, you get that mentality that, again. And you go, "Wow, I haven't, I haven't felt this in a long time." So it was re- you become a then, and you become another uh, Tai Chi addict, you know. Right. Like so.
0: So now you're not crazy about Taekwondo. It no, starts taekwondo. all over again. You've got all the Tai books under <laughs> your bed.
1: Yeah. Now, <laughs> exactly so uh so then now i've been coming to beijing for the last uh, since 2012. I come about twice a year that's good and then learn privately from him and then his students come but uh most of them are from intel china so, they do the uh, interpret, you know, they, they do the translating for me and so on like that. So, nice. well, so it's I mean, nice you, you stay with him when you I train. stay with him, yeah. That's yeah, very they, good. Right, I
0: right. mean, there's not many teachers that that do that anymore. Right. They're very right. non-personal. Right, right, but right. you, But people don't realize that the only way to get the deeper uh, way of training is to have a personal relationship with, right. a, with, with a teacher. I'm always
1: impressed, too, because when I come there, I'm always like, a, uh, like he said, what do you want to learn? I said, well... I like to learn this, right? It wasn't really matter to me what you know, but by the time I leave, I know. I mean, he really, I mean, pretty much a taskmaster. That you're, you're practicing. You know, we get up in the morning, we practice. Guess we get breakfast. We train for about two hours. Take a yeah. break. Drink yeah. some tea practice another two hours then go take a nap then wake up that's practice okay one. That's that's when, yeah that's how you do you just keep you can't train eight hours a day that's when like people when they go through that oh i train six eight hours a day i said i says if you're really practicing hard you're no. not practicing that long right yeah so, anyhow but it's uh, and, and you know after that after i'm there a week or so you know you're getting 40 50 60 hours of private lessons you know yeah so i go back home and you practice it again and you get, I have a couple of uh, uh, people at home that I work with to do the push hands, right, and stuff right. like that. So uh, yeah. yeah, so it's a lot of fun now. So you it, never it, did
0: any other Taiji except for Wu style.
1: No, I did. Uh, I did some uh, the Beijing twenty four form. Okay, I did a little Sun style stuff. And but what, I really like the Wu style stuff. Yeah, there. but
0: what is it for you that 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 makes the Wu
1: style? The thing... It, 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 it reminds me of western boxing I means short stance you yeah. know hands inside sort of close intercepting yeah. yeah it's it makes a lot of sense you know the style. you're not and 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 then you know because you're in a little bit shorter stance to me you're using a lot more of your internal strength more than your real physical the real long stance you got to get momentum to yeah. get out of it and move Right, the Wu style, you sort of, so you sort of glide. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have that. You know,
0: it's one of the not, not. I mean, outside of China, it's not one of the more well-known Taiji styles. Or well, especially the Northern Wu, right? Yeah.
1: But here in Beijing, at the turn of the century, it was more popular than the Yang style.
0: Yeah, that's a funny thing. I mean, it's so strange when I go. Everybody knows Yang style. Yeah. They know Chen style. And they know the, the, the methods, but when, when you show them Wu style, most of them are put off by it. Right. Because it's small, it doesn't have a very, what you would consider in terms of what they know to be beautiful and right. expanded open postures like right, in right, Yang right. style, that doesn't have those. Right. But when you've got an experienced martial arts mind, when you look at that, you're like, okay, well, that makes sense now. You right, know? right, but right. It makes much more sense than the open, fully extended, uh, right. you know, and yeah that, that's
1: yeah it is and then and then a lot of the wu style that you see uh in uh in the u.s is mostly the southern wu yeah know, the wu Tuan that he went yeah, yeah, to yeah. Sh- uh, shanghai and then later on it moved down there so the northern wu i think that's what's unique about the northern wu was that it stayed in beijing and we talked about this before yeah there's something about beijing and beijing martial arts right that it was the capital and people came here and if you weren't good, I mean, someone was gonna come and fight you, you know?
0: Yeah. Well you weren't gonna become well known. No, 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 and no one's gonna come and learn from you either. No, no. So. no, no.
1: And then I think sorta of there was more, you know, you had the government, you had the more military. Shanghai, more of the especially in the twenties, you get more of the intellectuals. Yeah. This is when the health stuff starts coming out a little bit more. Yeah. So I think Beijing sorta of had more of that it kept some of that a little bit alive. Well there that's was why a part sh- of it.
0: That's why Xing Yi is like so well known in Beijing and in China was because of the guys if it stayed in Shanxi it wouldn't have become such a big style. Mm-hmm. But it's because a lot of the guys came to Beijing and they came to Beijing and they became famous mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Beijing. Mm-hmm. And it was based on their, you know, prowess and their abilities and and also they weren't they were simply it wasn't just they were interacting with Shingi people. When you come to Beijing, right, right. you're going to interact with all those other styles that are trying to make a name for themselves right, or right. all those other people from those well, different people, styles. Right, and right. and if you made a name here at that
1: time, it means there's something there, you know? So You know, it was, it was sort of funny too at those times. A lot of those guys, they cross-trained and they didn't have these sort of attitudes that people have like later on. Like they would learn, like a lot of them did Swaijiao and yeah. they did the Bagua they did the Shingi. They did the bay. They all had, the, you know, so they were sort of doing their own JKD in a sense. Yeah,
0: they were. I mean, shuai is, is was a common pastime here in right, Beijing. Right, right, right. I mean, the capital. It was a, uh, during the Qing dynasty. It was one of the so-called professional sports you could be a professional wrestler mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is where the imperial uh, court was the, mm-hmm. uh, the forbidden city if you're going to be a wrestler to do demonstrations or performances or for public viewing or mm-hmm. make a living off of it this mm-hmm. is the city is beijing like, right? yeah. so even shuai jiao was so popular here and it still is to a degree although it's died out a, quite a lot right. recently right. but yeah so they did shuai jiao they 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 did other styles too they had connection and they had interaction with other people other so. people
1: too right 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 so that's okay. where that's
0: where the Xingyi and bagua crossover started right, happening right, and right, right, right. so
1: that was more in tianjin right some of that more of that or that well, both. both
0: i mean how 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 tianjin and beijing an, an, they're not far yeah, away an from an each an other miles, so right. there's a reason why these two places right. have, have these uh, permeation of these styles so yeah yeah, I mean, it's it's. do you want a refill of your beer there? Sure. Okay, let me pause. Okay, we're back. So, cheers, now that we've got refills. What do you think of this beer?
1: Oh, this beer is very good. Where's it from, from here? From mm.
0: I think it's an American oh, yeah. Goose Island, but now they've started producing here, so it's, it's pretty easy to get. And it's a good IPA, so. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's very good. So, uh, you you started training with Lou. Do you still train with your old Wu-style teacher when you're back home? Exactly.
1: I go to Pittsburgh sometime. Yeah, oh, because I, you're not based in Pittsburgh I'm, anymore. I'm in Florida now. And uh, my uh, some of my children, uh, they moved back to uh, Pittsburgh. So, I would go there and visit and okay. and, and, and go and do a pr- private lesson. How old I mean, is he now? He's my age. He's, uh, I think he's 62. I think he was born the same year. And like, Lou, Lou I think he's a little bit... Uh, I think he was born around fifty three, so he's probably a bit older. he's a bit, older. He's a bit old. yeah, he's a little older. Yeah, so they, they all practice. I think some of them were all uh, swai jiao.
0: Yeah, you know. I mean, my teacher, I, he he also knew Wang patient b- before they passed away. Right, right before right, he right, passed right, away, right, 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 right. and uh, yeah, he knew him back then. So Wang patient was well known here. Oh yeah, so.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a uh, one, one one thing. Uh, Liu uh, uh said one time. Uh, uh, this one guy I was with. He asked him about like. How, you know what's a master you know and he said mm-hmm. uh, he said well you have to uh you have to be able to lecture and sort of have your own point of view you know hes mm-hmm. very uh almost uh very uh scholastic type right yeah. then he says you have to be able to write a book, your own understanding right and you've got to be able to take all challenges well that's good <laughs> so, so you know so it it's that it said uh it's uh, two of those things, you know, where you're the scholar and the warrior together, you know.
0: Well, most the, people today, they're able to flap their lips, <laughs> write a whole bunch, but not back any of it up, which <laughs> seems to be more common. So maybe he had a, he had a premonition of things right, to come.
1: Right, right. Well, look, you see, Wang Pei Shang, he wrote that, you know, he wrote that. Th- I, I, I mean, I bought that book like back in the day, the thirty-seven mm. posture form that he right. did. And he published that in like 1982. And uh he did that. he did several books in chinese mm-hmm. and um and he did a lot of videotapes you know or VCDs or yeah. you know, VHSs back then so uh and he take challenges, yeah so it was sort of and Zhang Yun seemed the same way, and Lu, Lu Sheng Li seemed the same way so that's a, it's a, do you think did
0: Zhang Yun have many people come and give him? Uh, trouble. I, I, think was,
1: I think when he was in here in, in uh, Beijing, when he went to... Um, oh,
0: okay. When, here, he was here, sure. when he was here, he was here, But yeah. back, in the, back States, in the States, not so well, much.
1: Well, I, I, one, one of my uh, uh, friends that, uh, that lives in Princeton to bring him here, he said when he first started doing seminars there, that the guys from New York, they would come and he would tell them, like, put me in a joint lock, do this. I mean, he was pretty... I mean, in the seminars, mm. he was doing some... And they couldn't do it and, you know... Right. I mean he put it on the line, like those guys, I guess they're very much, I mean, you know, their skill levels are so high, they, they don't really have that, you know, well I'll show you tomorrow. Or, right. Or, or uh, I'm not, I don't feel too good today, Yeah. <laughs> something like that. So he would actually do it, well, yeah, my one friend said, yeah, it was, these guys were just, their minds were blown at that time, you know. It's like, oh my God, this is really is the real thing, you know. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I think with the northern Wu style and Wang Pei Sheng was that, uh, you know, Wang Wozai was, it was here. He taught for a period of time. Then Young Yuting, I don't know, he must have taught like 70 years. I mean, okay. he got, He was almost 100 years old, yeah. right? And then uh, and then Wang Pei Sheng, he started training, started to teach when he was 18 years old. And I think he was born in 1918, so that'd be 30, 1936, till the, and he passed away at two, in 2004. So he taught all that. So I think it was sort of good in, in, in our family. I'm just trying to say that is that um, you only had about two teachers over the course of a or three teachers over the course of a hundred years, right? Yeah. They sort of made their own development and stayed very close. Uh, So I think there was a lot, and they worked on it, so they continued the progression of the Mm -hmm. system, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Where I think some of the systems, they moved around, and I don't know how much those people taught. Like, Yang Yuting was supposedly one of the first ones to really standardize the methods of teaching the form, right, like that, you know, where I don't like a lot of them. They didn't ever really stand up. Well, even today, you go and you sort of, yeah, it's not done that way. Everybody got a little bit of different, which I guess is okay. But you can
0: even even within my Bagua family, like uh, I would say that between my teacher and his brothers that are still alive, his martial brothers that are still alive, they probably do the Dingshir Bajang, the fixed posture, right. eight eight uh, palms, and the. Lao Ba is pretty much the same no, um. but after that, for example, the linking palms, the Lian Huan Zhang, and after that, everyone has a little bit of a, a slightly bit, different way of doing but it. But it's
1: pretty much... This, I it's mean, it's the same close. thing. It's close. It's
0: close, it's close but, but even... And we're talking about now, never right. mind back then, right, right, you right, know, right, so...
1: Right. And I if, think that's important. I think that's the way is a lot of times the systems could uh, continue to grow. People yeah, can get better. Yeah. When it starts, when everybody starts teaching, people moving around, when we learn this long, that long, it just it deteriorates, you know. Yeah. Like I said, like... Uh, uh, young Liu Ting taught sixty, seventy years. You know what I mean. He's doing the same thing. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Wang Peisheng, same thing. So it, it's uh, you know, I and think what that's is important. What are you? What are
0: you? Are you focusing just on Wu style, just or do you on want Wu to? Style. You don't want to learn the rest of Wang patients No,
1: I learned uh, uh, Master Lu's sixteen posture form. Okay. Uh, but no, I, I, I at one time I was thinking I did a do I learned some Yi from Master Lu and stuff like that. But I really like the Taiji. You know? Okay. I just, I just really like it. Uh, so I just want to continue and just learning that and, and uh, do, you know, getting better at the push hands. And, and Right. Yeah. So, yeah, the Wu style, it's just, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, I don't know. It, it has that, like I said, it has that simplicity to it, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, that's also what Xing Yi has, you know? Right, right in, right. in essence, it is pretty simple, direct, straightforward, but you can spend your whole life trying to refine it and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and get it good, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you'll always have something new to work on. Right, so. right, right.
1: That's sort of what I always, uh, the, like, uh, even when I started doing the JKD a little bit, a- after the seminar, after really this uh, the InnoSanto, what they call the JKD concept mm-hmm. part, after I started doing the JKD with Ted Moore, that was it. I like to stay with one teacher, yeah. learn from that person, and just keep the- refining the art. You know? Do
0: you still practice your Jeet Kune
1: do? Yeah, sometimes I do, yeah, I still do. I, I think probably if I, got, <laughs> if I was in the situation, I'd probably do the JKD.
0: Yeah. You know, Absolutely.
1: Well, he's he trying to tell me he says uh, that I get actually softer from the, doing the Taiji the, it changes my JKD a little bit you know what I mean is
0: that for the better or for the worse
1: uh, for the better yeah okay yeah, good yeah yeah yeah. I think so well it is again it's that body awareness you know what yeah, I mean it's, yeah, it, it's yeah, that yeah. ability to to uh, you know Shingi moves a different way generates power differently yeah, yeah but you gotta but but you gotta refine that method you know yeah uh, Taiji does it a little bit different boxing does it a little different you know I always tell people too I, and one of the training methods I used to do was I used to get I got like uh, Tommy Hearns. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I, in fact I met Tommy Hearns once but I'm tall like Tommy Hearns. Okay. I'm sort of built like him and I sort of used to at one time sort of move more like him. Everybody wants to be Muhammad Ali right? Yeah. So I always tell them get you know get, a, get a, find a fighter that you sort of can uh, that you, you sort of emulate a little bit naturally. You know yeah, Don't, somebody not who relates like, to who you, you who relates yeah. to you uh, so I always watched, you know, Tommy Hearns fights. I always I used to watch them and sort of yeah. figure out and how the body moves. So you then then you sort of say, oh, because everybody moves different. That's sort of what's what's good about boxing too is that it it is more free. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they don't have a, a Gus D'Yamato style. Or, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. They don't have these styles or methods. You know, they sort of have like a well,
0: Cus told, he liked. He favored the peekaboo style, and right, he right, found right. somebody that exactly. would be suitable for right. that style. And you know, the peekaboo style was was
1: not respected. Right, right, right. It was just like you weren't doing much.
0: When Cus was was saying that he's going to have a champion of the world who's using peekaboo style, guys were thinking that that's ridiculous and uh, that'll never happen. And and then Tyson came along, and he just happened to be the perfect <laughs> body for that method. So, Could you imagine yeah. him doing a shingi? I think he'd be <laughs> devastated.
1: He and again he has that awareness. I mean yeah. when you see some of those uh uh some of those videos of him moving and coming right yeah. off that with his leg and his yeah. body, man, and just hit it hit so hard.
0: Actually he's one of the people when I have when people have this dogmatic uh, uh argument about internal and external <laughs> and I'm like, All right, so what do you think internal is and they're like, Oh well internal is like uh I would give a suggestion like okay do you think it's refined body mechanics yes and I said so it's not it's not possible with external style oh of course not it's an internal thing I'm like so what do you think boxing is oh that's external and then I put a video of um, of Tyson in his prime moving and right I'm like and how about this is that not refined body that, mechanics right I mean that's highly refined body mechanics
1: it is. I mean he's kind of when he's, he's there a little low and he just comes up yeah. and you could just see it just starts from the foot, the All body the up. goes up to his ass, pushes his body, and it just explodes. Right. Like that fast, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, takes your head off. And, yeah, and you can see the force. I mean, you can watch the video and you can see the force. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's what
0: I think any, I think the, the key point about internal, external debacle is, uh, is high level refinement. And I think that's what we're trying to say Mm -hmm. is what you should be chasing Mm -hmm. and maybe some of the requirements that we start with in styles like Xingyi and Bagua and Taiji is already a higher level of refinement but it doesn't mean that other styles don't do the same thing over time it's just high level and 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 low level and and to think that somebody that doesn't do a certain style can never reach that, that's just wrong, no. and the, the converse of that is also true, somebody can do some really terrible Xingyi, and mm-hmm. really terrible and really ter- terrible Taiji, with low level body mechanics, it's, it can be done too, right, so it's right. not really the style, it's the method, right. although certain principles are ingrained into the style more right, clearly. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. So,
1: exactly, the way they generate force, that's why I usually yeah, look yeah, at it that yeah. way, they're a little bit different. Uh, but the refinement sort of goes. I mean, the, the refinement of the body mechanics has to somehow interact how the force generation is. Yeah. Or some yeah. Sort yeah. Of, you know.
0: Well, I mean, Xing yi, for example, for for me, that's why the key point. We start with Zhuang, standing post, right. santi shi. Sure. And people think, what's the point of this? And some people will teach it. No, that's to build your energy. No, it's to build the structure. Right is to build a structure then connect the structure feel those connections be aware of them and be able to maintain them that they're always there right. so you build that structure and then you start to learn how to move that structure while maintaining those connections and that's it that's right. high level refinement I mean okay that's different to a lot of other systems which don't start with that as a requirement first and they want to get you just to be mobile first right. but, mm-hmm. but in the end all of them will refine if they're done correctly right. will refine and, and become Yeah, refinement. there is a training method it's right. like
1: in the Wu style uh, we, we do like the seven stars stance Yeah. Like that one is the one that, that you really want to focus on. Right. And again, it's developing strength, your alignment, your posture, yeah. the separation of one leg yin one leg yang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Empty, you, know, you have that forward. awareness and stuff like that. And then you could do the other one where you're doing the. Just a standing like a tree hugging posture too. Right, right. One when is on one drunk, leg and one is on two legs. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's just to develop that, and that that will keep refining. And then as you keep practicing the form, and you keep those points and things in line, then your development, and then you move smooth. You know, you're not using a lot. Well, what it is is just you're able to generate force using the minimum amount of of, of muscles.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, and I, I, for me, I've also been thinking about the best way to to say the same thing you've just said right. in a way that people don't become soggy noodles. <laughs> right, right. Because right. I, I I, think that the key that people misunderstand is that word minimal or using minimal force. Right. I think that's where people get lost. It's using the right amount of force, force to do to get the but job tiny. done yeah right right so no, it's right. the adequate amount of force, force to get the job done yeah. as best as possible without overusing force, force. that doesn't have uh, right. it starts to have diminishing returns right. or underusing force which doesn't even get you to the goal that you're trying right. to do right. so this is where this is where i also think right. that people misunderstand or me.
1: like as far as developing like you know one of the things like kin- kinesthetic perception you right know, the idea that when you are extending your arm that the one side is relaxing and the other side is lengthening. Right. And it's, and it's you know, I try to tell people, so like, it's like if you don't do that, it's like driving your car with the emergency brake on. You know what I mean? And you don't want that. You right, don't want right, that right, 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 right. No matter what you're doing, you don't want that emergency brake so that it just at least, uh, and then you're able to, to, to generate the force and you don't get tired at the same time. You know? Yeah, yeah. Or screw up your car. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> Insurance, I don't know if they cover that. <laughs>
1: what what's it like
0: training with with Lucian? I mean, what is he is, does he is he what, what what is the process that he usually uses when he teaches?
1: Uh it's sort of funny. It, it's it's a combination of usually what happens is he teaches me what I am to learn that time and he usually teaches me something else It's sort of like off the wall I I think at the time. Right? <laughs> okay, you got to do this. Okay, all right. So, cuz like when I was do some stuff like when I was practicing the Taiji he would show me some like tongbei, right? He okay. Did, like a couple of tongbei exercises, right? And I said, okay. So I'd be doing that. And then I'd, I'd practice it at home, but I'd sort of leave it a little bit, practice a little bit, because I was mostly doing the taiji. And then, uh, and then, and then what? time he was sort of, I wanted to do a thing, but he wanted to, I don't know if it was me, or I wanted to learn to do some Yi, right? Okay. So he showed me some shinging, and then we do the Wu style form again, and so, then later on then when I got I think what it was was then he wanted me to learn the 16 posture form well in the 16 posture form you have Tongbei, shingi so oh, it's all in there it's all in there right so it's like he was uh, it's so that when he was I getting did, you ready he was getting me ready for it so that's what I mean it, uh, it's just mind blowing on how the guy how when you train with him it's just like I, whatever I want to learn by the end of the, when I'm leaving I've learned it Yeah, he just knows how to do it? He must figure in his mind. I mean, he's not just teaching me. He got, I mean, he in his mind knows where I should be each day, where yeah. I should get, how good I should get each day. Learn this. I, it, it's just amazing, you know. Yeah. And then he puts those little tiny things in, and then next thing you know, sixteen parts. So that you next time I come, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't know it, but I'm more ready for it. Again, the awareness is there because the Tongbei is totally different than the Taiji. Totally. Right? Yeah. Right. so... Yeah. So he sort of so it's like that. I'm always impressed. It's just like and it's, and he's very quiet, very humble. So zangian same thing, but it's just like they just they just know how to teach, yeah. which is very very unique. I mean,
0: well, he's very meticulous. It sounds oh like. yeah, very meticulous. Yeah, so. They
1: talk about him as like um, well, he he says a little bit, but other uh, other people that were students of him said he's one of the few people that would. Um, you know the practice, uh, the technique, five hundred times. He would practice it five hundred times. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then he said later on, he said that was good, but he, the principles are more important. You yeah. know what I mean? So that that, that that's his thing because you can see when he moves, he has a just exactness
0: where it should be. At where the, it should
1: be, yeah. Some people are like, you know, in the Tai Chi, it's like. It doesn't have to be exact. It's sort of like more the feel. Yeah. Well, well, he's exact with the feel. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just like, it's right there. Everything is just very smooth. And, and I think, too, part of his, uh, his training, because he was in security at, uh, what is that called, the Beijing Technical Institute mm-hmm. down near him. And uh, he was uh, head of security there. So okay. a lot of his stuff, too. So I, I think some of that stuff, because he is very application-oriented. Okay. So, well, the book he wrote, right? Shinji,
0: right, right. Combat. combat techniques of yeah.
1: that. and that. And that's what he uses a lot. Like Pam Zhang, you know, he yeah. likes that. He likes uh, some of the other stuff uh, in, in the Shinji. Like I think I told you the uh, five elements, but the, but, the, uh, but the animals he likes is the tiger, the monkey, and the horse
0: yeah horse right. is one of my preferred go-to smack you in the face techniques <laughs> <laughs> but everyone's slightly different Monkeys, not not for me but right, i mean right, right. like they say sun lutang was uh his favorite was, was monkey, monkey. Right, right, so right. Yeah. yeah so
1: there, i see that he sort of pulls that There's sort of the application values that he sees in it uh <clears throat> of that um, yeah, he does that a lot. Like he like palmujiang. Oh, uh, that that's like he uses that a lot.
0: Palmujiang is eight mother
1: palm. No, no, uh, where he uh, palm the face. Oh, okay. I put my my Chinese horrible, but no, he gets there. And pa, he gets, mian. pa mian, pai mian, right? Pai
0: mian means to slap the face. Slap, so he gets
1: there, boom, and he and he just like boom, and and then once he hits you, if you resist, okay, if you resist. Then all of a sudden you're going you're going even harder back. It's okay. he'll go, go one two boom. So if you go that way because he has that hand behind your back right. instead of feeling. You know, uh, it's just it's so unique, you know. Yeah. And, uh, Have you done any weapons with him? Uh, I learned a, broad yeah, and I learned a broadsword. And it's Wu style broadsword. Wu style broadsword. Yeah, yeah it's and and what they do is they teach the broadsword before they teach the straight sword. I wonder why. Because they say he says uh, uh, when I asked Zong Yun one time, like, what's the pro- sort of progression? Yeah. He said the uh, the broadsword's important because it uh, the the straight sword. He says it's too much like Tai Chi. It moves too much like it. with a broadsword. You have that strength. You have that power, and uh, and I noticed it helped my uh, the broadsword form because you know you're up one leg, you come down, and you have sort of more of that that turning. It does help your Tai Chi because you're not. You know real slow it's a, little oh, more, it's a little bit more dynamic it's more dynamic yeah okay. so it helps you that way to get you know again i think i think it is really that uh young yuting wang pei shang that they not only practiced it but they taught and they wanted to be able to trans uh transmit the information to other people okay. to keep the art alive yeah, You know what yeah I mean? yeah so um i think they really looked at the training methods of how you can get people better. I know the same thing with Ted Wonk too. Same thing. He was able to get uh, what he would teach you, and that's why people like him so much. Was you were able to get it and understand it because he just knew the ref- how you refine it, where you should be. Uh, again, he was a, a chemical engineer. So he had a he had a he had a thought. Programmers an and an engineer. Engineer. Right? So they get it. They look at it probably totally different. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, did the um uh, what is the curriculum of wu style i mean a, a, as far as wang pei sheng's curriculum
1: well you learned that, you know 37 posture form hand okay so that's bare-handed bare then you do the push hands
0: okay that was a what push the, hands is it is there something set to it or yeah they have
1: a couple they have like uh they have a the single push hands on, single on, hand. a, on a on a horizontal plane okay they got one on the vertical plane okay okay then you do the forehand okay okay Pengji. and it was really uh so well,
0: Peng Lu Ji An
1: right but, but you can really see and it's
0: set the whole sequence is set, set
1: right. And right yeah it's set then they have another one Da Lu but, and it's sort of a two man it moves and then when I asked uh, I don't see anybody practice that and I asked that you know what time I said, I said I I've see seen that in I mean, Chen style Da Lu yeah this one's a little different it's a two man one and, uh, and it's. No, a, I mean
0: literally a two-man uh, Dalu two man Daolu Tui show oh, exercise. Okay, oh, okay. It's a set exercise in, in Chen style. Right. I've seen that before. Right. I don't know if it's the same, but.
1: I don't know. It's probably uh, probably not. But uh, but then they have a, a, that. And then, see, a lot of other uh, uh, Tai Chi people, they don't practice Daolu. Yeah, I asked yeah, him, what, yeah. what, what, what? He said, I don't know. It's just, it was one of the. Mo- this is an old exercise that people always did. And somehow. You know what's
0: interesting about that? Um, so my brother-in-law, and um, he's he's from Inner Mongolia, and uh-huh. he he practiced a style called uh, Shanxi rin style Seven Star Mantis, which is popular there, and mm-hmm. it comes from Shanxi originally, mm-hmm. but it's moved uh, it moved to Inner Mongolia because a lot of Shanxi people moved there, and mm-hmm. currently the grandmaster, the head of the the style, is still there, and they have a lot of these. It's This is a style of mantis that is considered an internal or soft mantis Mm -hmm. um, because it's got influence from uh, Xingyi, Bagua, and Taiji inside Mm -hmm. it. And I remember watching, because I've been to Inner Mongolia, I've trained with a grandmaster like maybe 20-odd years ago, maybe even more. And uh, they've got an exercise which is actually identical, almost identical to Chen style Dalu. Mm. So, as you said, it was... Something that a lot of people used to do Dude. before, even in another unrelated, well, somewhat related but <laughs> right, unrelated right, right, system, right, 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 right. they were doing a similar thing, and it's a two-man set kind of a right, exercise. Right, right, you right,
1: know, right. So, I'm doing pong, you're doing loop Exactly, it goes back to back. Yeah. I try to shoulder, you get out of the way. Right, right. It's nice. Yeah, it's very nice. I was like, I was like, going, oh, and, uh, same thing too. I think with the forehand. Um, in the Wu style, you know, we do Pung G. I mean, I see G. We do G. You know, press, yeah, the press the squeeze, yeah. You know? Most of the people go Pung and then they go G, like like it's yes, not squeeze, even there. They just yeah, just yeah. brush right through it, right. I'm like, well, I think it's called forehand, not mm. three and a half, or <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. So I, I look at some of those things like that too, because they they are even the push hands gets more performance based. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. People walking around stuff like that, but but it is definitely, you know single fixed, you know a horizontal, vertical, vertical the forehand and the other one, and then I got a couple other ones that I haven't learned yet as far as they have doing it, but yeah.
0: So these are these are set classical push hands exercises. These are from
1: these are from you know because because the the, the is... Uh, Wang uh, Yu Chan to Guan Yu, yeah, Guan Yo to Wang Mozai, Wang Mozai to Yang Yu Ting to Wang Pei Sheng. Okay, okay, so there's not many, there's not too many people in between,
0: right? You know, right, like. right,
1: And And a lot of those people are, and again, you cut down the amount of generations and you're still having those people teach, and they're coming into the 20th century, slightly. You're it's not, not missing them, you're not missing them, and they kept that information
0: because that was one of the things that, um. For me, one of the key things when I look at modern Tai Chi and especially the Yang derivatives, mm-hmm. and when I look at classical Chen style, the, the Chen style curriculum, has so, it's so rich, right? right? And it's rich in terms of um, things like you just said like those those partner tu show things weaponry where certain yang style stylists lost some weaponry other other derivatives mm-hmm. like sun style they lost a whole lot of other things mm-hmm. too they, they they focused
1: on certain things mm-hmm.
0: but that was all there before it was quite a rich curriculum and and you, and it seems like your your wu line has still maintained right, a lot right,
1: of it right. they get the uh, you know a straight sword broadsword they do a staff form but the staff form is, is they call it like a sticky staff is to develop your stickiness for your spear. It's not really a staff form. It's like a, it's like a forehand with the staff. Okay, so... pung Lu, and on with the yeah. staff. That's to develop so when you have your spear form. Right. So that's, that's the curriculum. That
0: so it's on. actually a spear-based uh, yeah, training. A, right, yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. I think I mean, I have seen it. I've seen the, the sticky, the sticky, sticky, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: And that's the system there, yeah. Just practice the hell out of it. What
0: else, I mean, what in terms of weapons, what are there? That's it straight, straight sword, sword, broad, broad
1: sword, sword uh, the staff for that, and then the spear. So then in the broad sword, some of, some of uh, uh, Master Lee told me some, some of the people practice, they uh, throw darts. There's a p- couple parts where you turn, you could throw a dart. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's included it's in there.
1: Included in there. So yeah. that's that's like some of the guys practice that. He said, yeah,
0: that's that's hidden thing. weapons yeah. and and mm-hmm. and okay, interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does he know it?
1: Yeah, he knows how. Yeah, yeah. He said there's parts of it. See this, uh, it's a it's a classic thirteen posture Taiji uh sword form broadsword with
0: dart throwing in there
1: but then there's parts where you turn and you're able yeah and you throw the darts i don't know if they were added in later on part of it right but yeah but some of the people they, they they do that in the in the broad. that's
0: interesting sort of that's very interesting
1: uh, it, it's it's pretty cool though too though like the taiji sword we use we use the the, the you know the long almost look like a samurai with the with the with the, with the um
0: the S guard. The S guard in okay. it with the
1: hook on the bottom. Yeah, it has a diff- definite different feel okay. than that regular just chopping type of broadsword, right. you know. And then you know, you got the bottom sharp and then you got the little bit of the top sharp. Yeah, yeah, it's it got there. a false edge. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's 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 pretty unique. You can feel I can feel it too when you practice with a good sword. I mean, you can really feel
0: Well, you know, I think a lot of people have uh, gotten used to the oxtail shape of a sword. Right, right, right. Um, which is the common produced mass-produced type of a uh, style of a broadsword but they don't actually realize that especially in the Qing that wasn't dynasty. used in
1: the battlefield
0: yeah but also in the Qing dynasty the more common sword wasn't that what? shape
1: right so right.
0: it was a thinner shape Right, like and the I've one shown, we use. Right, is yeah. more
1: the battlefield one, the one that looked like a samurai sword.
0: Well, exactly. I mean, right. a samurai sword. I mean, that's that's how we see it. But right, it's right, just right. a thinner, it's a thinner, curved-edged. Curved edged. Right, right. And I've got I've got a uh, my, my my personal broadsword is one of those uh, Qing dynasty long ones, uh, like a thinner, you know, like yeah, what th- you, would ju- right, you just you just right. described. And when I show people this sword, they're like, "But isn't this Japanese?" I'm like, <laughs> "No, it's, it's a
1: Chinese sword." It's a Chinese sword. right, yeah. right, right. Uh, So this a lot of people sword came from. Well, and I mean, a cha- the, the,
0: the samurai sword came from a Tang dynasty that's sword. That. I wouldn't say it's exactly, exactly. the same exactly. thing. Right. And I also wouldn't discredit the Japanese because they truly they developed that right. sword and they really, they took it to, to places right. Right. that is really, really right. refined right. for their needs. Right. But to think that only the Japanese would have a thinner blade <laughs> or that's, that's ridiculous. Right. You know, I mean that that was all over all over here too yeah so all over the world yeah well i mean different (laughs) shapes a curved edge or a straight double edge i mean this is what we should try to uh, focus on when we're differentiating between jian Dao. don't worry about what the hand guard shape looked like don't worry about how thick the blade was the use is 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 based on single edge curved (laughs) double edge straight then you're going to change the way you use it so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah. So, um, have you done the spear at all
1: with him? I just learned some uh, spear exercises. Okay.
0: That he did. Well, that's, now, the, beginning that's the beginning part of it. Right? yeah right? So, yeah. Again,
1: see, he teach me just the exercise, so that one day when I'm ready, I want.
0: What is this the Wu spear? Spear work like? Uh, is, what type of a spear do they use? Do they use uh, a long? Particu- they use long. They a particularly long, long or, one, yeah. similar to what we use in Shingi. That long or yeah, yeah, yeah. that close. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. yeah, they use a the long one. Uh, they said Wang Peisheng uh, was very good at spear. Look, one of his, yeah. uh, one of his, uh, I think he, uh, his like kung fu um, brother was uh, his, his, his teacher was uh, Li Xuwen. Oh Okay. Okay. So, uh, so and they so they exchanged like techniques. Spear, I mean, spear, spear is spear, right? right. Yeah. But the Wu f- spear is, uh, you know, that's part of the Wu family. I think a lot. Of, I, I don't know. Uh, Completely, but I think a lot of the stuff that maybe from Li Shuen is the training method of doing it. I mean, okay. he probably was really. I mean, he was supposed to be the, the sword guy or the was, spear guy, right? Yeah. Uh, Yun told me a, a funny story, a pretty funny story. Uh, there was a guy that that was very famous, and he had a technique that Li Xuan wanted, and he couldn't. And the guy wouldn't teach it to him, so he gets a big cart and he direct uh, and he. Decorates it all up, right? And he brings it into the town where the spear master is. And it said, number one spear guy, right? So this guy comes on and he's all pissed off because, like, I'm the number one spear guy. So he goes and he sort of like has sort of like a challenge with Li Xuan and he does it. And then Li Xuan sees the technique. He goes, No, that cart was you. You were the number one spear guy, not me. Oh. But it's the idea he tricked them, you know? To,
0: so he, to, he, 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 called him out, and
1: then the guy used the technique, <laughs> technique and he learned right, it. Right, right, right. Oh, interesting. But, but what he did was, he yeah, he said, oh, no, that cart, uh, that's about you, not about me. <laughs> so
0: he said... <started laughs> <the laughs> so <he>, so Li <laughs> said, no, the cart, the, he means that what he wrote on the cart was talking well, about, well, the about the other guy.
1: about the other guy, the other guy lost his mind, and then that way he tricked them to learn the techniques.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: <laughs> so that's pretty funny, right? So.
0: Well, I mean, that's interesting, because if you look, like, uh, at Chen style, they, they use... Big sticks too to develop certain body mechanics and power generation and things like the daganza, but usually their spear form is a shorter spear, oh, really, right. and they and they 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 have a, a method of using changping, which means long weapon, duanda, mm-hmm. or short fighting with a long weapon. Mm. So it's a shorter method of utilizing the long weapon. So I'm quite interested if you say that Wu style, well, your Wu style is mm-hmm. using a, a pretty long, long spear, line, right, right, right. where that actually came it's from. It,
1: it's on YouTube. You'll see Wang Pei Sheng doing, the, doing, the, doing, doing the spear, yeah. Spear. yeah. And you'll like it. He grabs the very end of it. You know?
0: uh-huh. He's got the, the end of the spear, <laughs> in, the his hand. spear in his hand. You know, that <laughs> drives me crazy when I see it. Yeah,
1: yeah they say, his. Uh, uh, I, I've read something. Again, I'm not a, a spear aficionado yet, uh, but you know, a lot of people said that his is very practical. Yeah. The, yeah, I guess most beer is practical anyhow, unless you're doing with a short w- wushu spear right? Well, yeah,
0: well that's what I mean. That's the difference between right. a, a da and a hua chiang. Hua yeah. is the short one, which is most commonly used, especially in sport wushu. Right. And yeah. hua literally means flower. Mm, right. So. So you can understand that it's mostly based on performance as right, opposed to. Right, right. To the older methods, but yeah, yeah, about the spear end protruding from the, the grip. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Wu Shu, the guy, the man Wu Shu, who wrote that Ming Dynasty spear manual. He was quoted as saying, uh, "Liu basher Wai hang," that means that anybody who has a spear protruding from their hand is an amateur. So that that was, uh, and I mean, my teacher is very adamant about that spear end. Uh, You keep it within the grip of your hand, you know. Otherwise, what's it sticking out for at the back? Okay, there's certain times when you when you move up the shaft to do a a specific technique. But if you're holding it like that all the time and doing thrusts and whatever, and
1: that's what it's for, so you can just exactly. Well, I
0: mean, it's it's worse than that. When you actually make contact with something, when you thrust into something, there's force pushing back. And if the the end of the spear isn't within your grip it's just going to your hand's just going to slide up, up the shaft right? so i mean um, that that's basically our, our uh, key point about it but there's more to it than that but yeah. I,
1: i'm looking forward to the, the, for the spear cuz again it develops a certain you know body mechanics yes. to it you know yes what I mean? yes yes I mean, definitely, for the internal, it really does.
0: Yeah, I mean, for Shingy, it's an integral, for me, it was a key. When when I started doing, I mean, I did Shingy for a couple of years with my teacher before he started teaching me spear basics, and, uh, and when he started teaching me spear basics, it was like something went click. It, it was just amazing. It was like epiphanies on all of the force vectors and body mechanics that I was doing with my bare hands just suddenly just improved, made sense and I understood where they came from very clearly, you know, and it's it's really important that that, that, that step is made. I Actually, I mean, I, I find it odd when I hear about Shingi people that tell me they've never ever learned the spear. And I'm like, how? You know, I mean, it's basically a bare hand version of spear practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At some point you should understand the spear and use the spear to develop your Shingi. Your okay, given some people might not have access to it, but it is it is for me something that I feel is, uh,
1: oh, is it's that missing is that pole shaking those exercises
0: well pole shaking in terms of using your body and connecting right. your your core and your legs, legs. to be able to Shh. issue force that's one thing but when you learn P with a spear uh-huh. and zhuanqiang Chiang uh, drilling with a spear and bung with a spear and then power and hung you're like suddenly all the five elements make sense. Right. And the body mechanics make sense. And it just... It all just comes together re- really well. I mean, given if you've got a good teacher. If you don't, right, then right, it still right, doesn't right, make right, sense. Right, right. But...
1: Uh, yeah, that's one of the most difficult. It's, you know, the king of the weapons. You know, it's it's...
0: I mean, you know, there's one, for me, those, those, those old analogies of the different types of weapons, you know, like the, the spear is the king, thing, thing, you yeah. know, the, the, the broadsword is like a fierce tiger, you know, the, the spear is a phoenix, I mean, sorry, the, the straight sword is a flying phoenix, and, and the, the, the staff is like a rain, like a falling rain. Okay, I get it. But, you know, there's one reason why spear was considered the king of all weapons. Because you can
1: kill people. Well,
0: (laughs) it's a thrusting weapon with a a sharp, pointy bit at the end. Straight thrusts are pretty hard to to uh, you know defend, deflect, to see coming, and it because it's got longer length. I mean, that doesn't mean that a guy. This is this is the other interesting (laughs) analogy. A guy who's really good with a with a broadsword against a guy who's not very good with a with a spear. The spear might try, might try, uh, well, might or will level the playing field a little bit and give the broadsword guy a bit of an advantage. Mm-hmm. But if you've got two guys that are really skilled with their weapons, and the one guy's got a, a long weapon, the other guy's got a short one, the long weapon will right. always have the
1: advantage. Well, that's so. what our broadsword form. Our broadsword form is. Against the spear. Okay. That's what it's for. Very interesting. Because the idea is that a guy who has a spear is going to usually win. Yeah. So the way in which you got to do the broadsword, you got to be evasive with it. You got to make sure that you're, you know, you're a distance from it, take advantage of certain things to it because the idea that, you know. Yeah. And that, that, I was told that that is the classical method of how you learn it's supposed to be, because that's the hardest. So if somebody didn't have a spear, right, and you had a broadsword, it'd be a lot easier, right? Like that's sort of like the hardest right? So that's what our form is. That's what the broadsword. It's quite
0: interesting. I've been I've been doing. I mean, over years, I've been doing a lot of research of other countries' martial arts. And one of the interesting things for me is the old or koryu Japanese systems, the old Japanese ryuha, their Japanese uh, very classical systems, and they have a lot of partner work. A lot of partner, a lot of their kata is actually set partner kata, Mm -hmm. all right. And most of the systems focus on the sword, Mm -hmm. but you'll see that they'll be using other weapons. In it's included in their in their training. For example, the naginata, which is like a a halberd, kind of close yeah, like to a spear yeah it well be it's be. kind of like a a tado or a, 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 yeah kind of a, but a thinner version right. with a thinner head but the key of learning it is not to learn how to use the the naginata or learning it's learning how to use a sword against a naginata oh, right. or learning a sword against another weapon and that's really interesting i mean it's kind of like in what you've just mm-hmm. said that mm-hmm. uh, the broadsword is learned to or trained to learn how to use against uh, right. or fight against a spear but yeah it's quite it's quite interesting so i think china i mean the spear is uh, one of the key battlefield weapons and mm-hmm. in japan maybe the the focus on a lot of these older systems was the, the, the katana right, or the, the because people were just walking around with them samurais right. were walking right. around right. with or them samurais were, yeah. yeah yeah so and it
1: had sort of like a spiritual religious thing too with well the, yeah i mean
0: that that would be that would come naturally heavy. from yes, it right.
1: Yeah, I have two students actually uh, that uh, do the sword and they go back and forth to Japan. Okay. And they also uh, do testing uh, in the U.S. two, three times a year. Cutting, you know. they do the Oh, cutting. test the, cutting. The, t- the tatami, yeah. And they yeah. have beautiful, beautiful swords. It's different. They say that the taiji sort of helps them. And it, it would the focus and it all kind stuff. Yeah. The relaxation. It would, yeah.
0: Have you ever tried to do test cutting?
1: No, no, not yet. I said, you know, he, he one day uh one of them said, Oh, you should I said, I don't need another hobby again. Oh, okay. I remember we actually spoke about this. <laughs> yeah, I said, I, yeah, I do yeah. another hobby again. Otherwise, I'd be buying, you know, going out and buying, you know, $2,000 katanas and say, but, oh, well, yeah.
0: But you could cut with a Chinese sword. Yeah,
1: you know, I, I have uh, two, actually, both of my, uh, two of my swords, my, uh, no, three swords I have. Yeah. Uh, They're they're all sharp-tempered and everything else. They're real swords. They're real swords, right. I just, I don't know, just, I, know, I, I might one of these days try it, you know, so. Cut what what, what are they? Straight swords? Uh, one straight sword and two of them are broad swords. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Swords. I mean, I
0: I do occasionally. I do I'll do when I when I have enough stuff to cut. I'll I'll do test cutting with my Chinese swords. Right. It's right. actually very good. They do it every week.
1: I mean, I don't okay. I don't mean you should go use a katana, but right, maybe right, go right. with
0: them because they've got stuff to cut.
1: Right, right, right. And, yeah, yeah. And, they go and, down. He, That's in fact what I do on Sunday. Sometimes I drive down to the one guy. He's school. He has a school, and they go there. And you know, they they import. The to uh, Tommy,
0: yeah, that uh, was the rolled up. To rolled up, up the
1: old stuff that comes out of the house. That's right, right They right. get it. They say uh, they ship it over. They get a container, and then they uh, start getting them. They soak them, and they practice because uh, they have two. There's two schools that they sort of follow. Okay, as far as the cutting and so on like that is, you know, it's very interesting though. I mean, it's it's very simple. You know what I mean? They have certain cuts. They got like certain patterns, like sort of katas, You know, right, they right. have the cuts. And uh, then they have sort of like a, uh, you know, you cut, uh you know you cut one tatami a certain with a certain pattern right and then you cut two two of them or on the other cut you cut and then before it falls you cut it again right you know stuff like that it is pretty cool you know they do have it it's not easy yeah no no it's, it's not, not easy e- to do a good got, cut and you know they got a little uh, measurement you know 45 degree angle has right. to be this way it's not easy no, yeah. It's, yeah, no it's not easy for somebody to do it like that you know? but you know what
0: i found when i started cutting was it helped me understand body mechanics in terms of the techniques a little Bit better too, and also where force is applied. Force, yeah, that would be.
1: Yeah, I, I probably should do it with a sword. Yeah, because you can see how you how much how much you really need to generate. Yeah, and yeah. How yeah. much after you generate the force, are you gonna follow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or how tensely do, do you cut through it? Yeah. Probably. Even how you
0: grip the handle makes right. a difference. So, it's a good thing. Um, I don't know. Not not everybody has the opportunity to do it, but if you do, I suggest right, it. Right. And you don't have to use tatamis you can use a rolled up newspaper just oh, really? yeah you can use rolled up newspapers uh, you can uh, you can find things that are replicable to cut so that are relatively inexpensive
1: i uh, just the,
0: the the key here is i mean to anybody who's listening is safety first right don't right. cut your own leg off right, right. don't uh, don't uh, <laughs> because that's the key thing here the, the, the overswing or <laughs> right, you know right. Uh, the the the, the follow through is usually when people cut themselves. Yeah. So be sure you know what you're doing and right. and be careful first.
1: Yeah, everybody on his dojo, they all stand that way while they're cutting that. Yeah, you know, and the safety of the, of the people
0: around you, you and where you're
1: doing right. it. Uh, you know, right. so. the sword slip out of your hand. But no, I, I did see uh, they have a teacher. He's a, he's a Westerner, and uh, he taught them a lot. And then he made the connection between two sword masters from Japan to come mm-hmm. over. And uh, I witnessed him cutting, like, he had uh, three tatamis on there. And it was just like, again, we go back to the body awareness. Yeah. He cut, like, boom, 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 like, within seconds. He cut three of those tatamis, uh, which aren't easy. And then he's, like, cutting as one's going, he's cutting again. It was, like, unbelievable. But you could see how he was just moving, and it was like nothing. Yeah. Perfection. Yeah. And it really is. And, I, and that's what a lot of the, the martial arts really is really supposed to be about, you know, the development uh, of the individual. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. That's what I always thought it was. I'm not really big into teaching as much as I am. You don't teach? I very seldom teach, you know. Okay. Uh, you know. Uh, I have some students that do the Tai Chi, but I use them for bodies to develop my own. Yeah, but it's good. Training partners. I work training yeah. partners. And then even the JKD, I always just had small groups. And one time I asked Ted Wong one time, I said, when I, you know, when I first moved down to Florida, I said, what do you think? You think I should open a school or this or teach? He always liked going to my boxing gym in Pittsburgh because it was like, you know, it was like in a barn, right? And it, was a, <laughs> it was in a barn and the split wood was there and it was real hard and it had arc. He was always good to work. But he said that uh, he believed that, uh, and, J- and Bruce Lee believed that it's meant to be taught with a small group in the backyard.
0: So, so informal, develop,
1: informal,
0: in but very but uh, personal,
1: personal, yeah, okay. and the development of the individual, you know, of, you know. And, and I mean, that's the
0: one thing I've also been thinking about the value of traditional martial arts, and one of the big value of well, not just traditional, but all martial arts is the social unit that is developed mm-hmm, mm-hmm, within mm-hmm. a group. Right, It's right, really right. important. It's like a place of, it's finding a place you belong, you know, in a group of people that that. And that's really important. I think that's also part of, uh, and that helps to learn. Right, you know? right. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. You're given them the right environment. Well, you read that book, or the Taekwondo book, what is it called? Something Art of Killing? K- Art of Killing. I mean, uh, Pat Burleson, he talks about. You know, during the beginning of the, of the uh, Taekwondo in the United States, it was just a kick-ass, you know, yeah. to spar. Somebody's coming in the door, uh, can he spar better? Can we make him a national champ? This, uh, he said the self-development part, which they said they should have been working on, yeah. they didn't. Now it's a little bit more, but then it's gone the other way as well, too, Yeah. as far as the, the, the fighting part of it is, too. So it is finding that balance between development and, and, and martial
0: you know. well what do you think led taekwondo down its uh route that's becomes a bit estranged from
1: well i guess it's uh well i guess those guys just sort of passed the hardcore guys passed away and yeah. well they became very successful though you know all the people going through the kukiwan and all yeah, that yeah, stuff that became very successful uh people saw that uh putting a martial art into the olympics yeah. that was something you know uh so people started going that way they had a good marketing i mean you read that book you see how everybody yeah. everybody's paying to do this so it ended up in uh you know it took off i mean it's still probably i don't re- i don't read too much anymore about it but uh, i guess it's still one of the most popular arts in the world
0: well if it's uh, it is i mean right, that's right, the right. one thing here in china uh, I, even in my neighborhood i train downstairs outside and Sometimes uh, you'll see people just walk by, and sometimes somebody will stop and watch me, and it'll be a mother or a father with a child, and the child will be wearing a dobok or a, a right, taekwondo right, 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 right. out gi, you know? Yeah, be uh, right. Because he's just gone to the taekwondo school up the road. And there's more kids doing taekwondo in China today than there are doing Chinese martial arts. And I mean, of course, it is because of the popularity that is done right, through right, the exposure right. of the Olympics it's and the right, prestige right. of. Of the olympic games and and i mean that's it's nice to see that they've done that for themselves i don't know i mean internally what they've lost or how things have changed because you know from my perspective a lot of things have changed and They've, they've cut off a lot to be to fit that model but for me as a chinese martial artist i find it quite strange that i'm a westerner basically a caucasian Practicing a Chinese martial arts while Chinese kids are staring at me in <laughs> Korean outfits, you know, right, they're yeah, not right, doing right, Chinese right. martial arts so. Well,
1: I remember doing ta- Taekwondo uh, in the 70s. They already it already started to go in that direction you Yeah, know I mean? it already started to go more sport oriented and they did always have a lot of uh, Closed tournaments, you know one of the things too was the Koreans were very big on that You didn't go to open tournaments. We did you know we did yeah. the, we did the, we did the Taekwondo closed tournaments and we did the open uh, karate tournaments. Okay. Cause we, we just wanted to spar. I mean, right. We wanted to spar. We wanted to do uh, uh, kung fu forms. We wanted to do. We just wanted to do everything and okay. anything okay. that was related to martial arts. We didn't care. And, and that was the one thing that was that was pretty cool back then. Then, the- it, then it sort of got like all of a sudden it started to go. Everybody started to separate again. And this is better than that. And, yeah. But I remember in the seventies and eighties, people were just like, "Oh, what do you know? I know this. Oh, show me those kicks." Show me those Taekwondo kicks, huh? I'll show you this, it was like more, I don't know if you'd have that now. or <laughs>
0: But you were saying the Koreans were not open to going to open tournaments? No,
1: it was mostly closed tournaments.
0: So only within only one?
1: Korean time. tournaments. They are pretty good though, because what they did was, they were, you know, they had their own little group, right? And they had these masters come, so the demonstrations were fantastic, you know, but it was all small and... but but it did have something to it too because a lot of times when you got to be a black belt right yeah and after that torment all the masters then you got to eat something eat with the masters that's what I'm talking about the social thing right that was very cool back then
0: that's the social thing and I mean we get it still here somewhat in the traditional communities like the Chinese traditional communities when we have a get together with my Bagua family for example and then after like for example tomb sweeping Right, 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 right. We'll go, we'll all meet at the tomb of Li Zeming and Dong Haichuan. They'll do the whole thing. And then we'll go to a restaurant and everyone will get completely shit-faced. <laughs> but completely shit-faced. And rec- it, it, it's, it used to be something that I found strange, like just how it was the same formula every year. But over the years, I've come to appreciate it a lot because you've got the old timers, right, right, right. and they're getting shit faced, right. and they're repeating the same story <laughs> that I've heard every single <laughs> year about the past, about some incident or some issue, and they're repeating it, and everyone is pretending like it's the first time they've heard it, and it's somewhat endearing, you know? I mean,
1: oh, yeah, I remember them too. They would get a beard, like, they get, yeah, because you, you wouldn't see them this way. They'd come in. Teach—they have perfectly starched uniform yeah. technique right there. Then all of a sudden, you at one of these. They're opening a the can of beer. They're drinking it like this, and then they out of the can, boom! Like this, and then and smashing it night hand. <laughs> they wouldn't even like sip it. you know, they just poke the tab, drink it, boom. boom.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's <laughs> it's part of the culture, and that's what people it. people need to understand. Um, and it's part of the. St- you know I mean we've got this word I, I, I mean I've spoken about it before it's like cheerful. It's got the word father in there. Right,
1: right, right, right. It's
0: denoting a relationship. It's not denoting a rank. No. And these relationships are built within this martial right. family on things like this, not necessarily just training. Right, 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 right. And if you don't have this relationship, then the training lacks too. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's really important. Right. You've got a pretty close relationship to your teacher. You, right. goes, you actually live with him.
1: I've only had four teachers in the past uh, I've been training for since seventy three, which is forty six years. I yeah. only had four teachers. I stay with a teacher, and then you you become, you know, they become your Sifu, You know, yeah. they like your uh, your uh, your father. You right, know? right. Yeah, and that's the same thing. People go, "I'm Sifu so and so." It's like, no, you no, no, you're not. You don't give yourself that. That's like I'm, I'm Father Bill. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? You don't do that. You know you're. Your students call you Sifu and that's just a... Sort that's of, a different thing. It's a different thing. Not publicly. That's publicly, not our right. it's not something that you, you, know, you got on your certificate or anything like that. So.
0: Yeah, it's important. And I think it's also misunderstood in them because people think that the word "shifu" means master. Right, right. right. No, it means your,
1: your teacher teachers.
0: slash father. Right, right. That's what it literally means. That it means nothing to anybody else. That relationship exists between you and your teacher, and that's it.
1: Well, when I first started training in the 70s, they were all men. I was like the youngest. I was I was fifteen years old. I was like the youngest one there. Yeah. And there was one woman I remember. That was it. There were no kids. There were no. And a lot of the guys that I trained with, because I come from a pretty tough neighborhood, they didn't even need martial arts to fight. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? They were big, strong guys. I don't even know why. They, well, they liked my teacher. They were all usually friends with my one teacher there. But it was just like a different. Then you could see during the eighties, it just started to shift. Then, then more and more kids. And then you know, so now a lot of these places are just like uh, they teach 45 minutes they pick them up in a van from school they have them do some stuff i guess that's a good thing i can't i can't say it's all bad but uh, sometimes certain things are still lost it becomes more like a babysitting service than, than
0: that's than what the, that's the thing though and I, i've got a lot of i mean i'm in the industry i was in the industry in terms of the formal martial arts uh, federation industry so I, I mean I meet a lot of people and a lot of them like in the states especially they were telling right. me that that's the only way they can survive that's the only way they, they don't survive off the, the amount of adults they barely have that many adults no, they no. have to do these after school after like these kids class so that's the bulk that, that pays the rent right. and keeps the water and the lights on and uh, whatever they get extra where they really want to focus on passing on whatever art they're passing to the adults or to the more serious people that's a minority and if they had to focus on that they wouldn't make it it's a sad reality right
1: like like people like in the 70s i mean we, we had a few um health clubs very few most of it was in the ymca right yeah uh tennis that was only in certain areas mostly wealthy areas you couldn't just go to a tennis club or this or that right yeah and uh, it's just more competition now of people's leisure time. They could do so much more yeah. back then, and it's sort of, uh, it's sort of changed now. So, uh, you know, when I talk to people, and even when I was uh, in the 70s and 80s, when I was running a school, you need, I don't know if it's the same now, you need a minimum of 100 students just to keep the doors open. Because you know, over the course of time, I, I remember every once in a while. You know, we I, I go, I look to see if there's a place to rent. Right? Rent has gone up so high now. Yeah, and, that's you know, the issue. Rent all your overhead costs are so high. You gotta have insurance. You gotta have. That's
0: it. It's rent, insurance, rent and those insurance, things.
1: Insurance and you want to eat. You know, you know yeah. don't want to break even. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so, so you know, you need a hundred students at least, and then they're starting now. People start to test like. And it's everywhere. It's not just the taekwondo people. You know, uh, you know, uh, every two months. Yeah, some you know, belt grading. This, 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 yeah. this. Yeah, and you're getting them from the school, and they're doing this, and you know, it's all that. But I, I it's good in a certain sense. I mean, it does. If it's taught, it's still, I know a few people that teach uh, taekwondo pretty, pretty still, very structured. The kids love it, the, and a lot of them. He's had, I think, he, he's a little bit younger than me. But he's been teaching for a long time in a school environment. And he has students that are probably I mean, probably in their 50s. I okay. mean, he's had them that long. I mean, that long. He has a good, yeah there's, yeah. there's some of those out there that he's still had. Him. They're still coming back and training and stuff like that. But he's probably taught, I don't know, how many thousands to get there, too. Okay, that's you know, good. You know. But, no, he does very well. He, he's a, His name is Phil Amaris. He was a student of Hill Cho, you know, him and uh so actually i think he just tested for his ninth dawn but yeah he's he, he has excellent kid, uh, children's program still so there's still those people out there that are that have been teaching it for a long time that's still you know, what, it's, what about in your
0: neighborhood in florida florida
1: is like a different that's like a whole different world down here. I've
0: never, I've Googled Florida man. I've never, I've never Googled Florida man plus kung fu. I, I'd like to see what well, that turns up.
1: Most of in Florida, you have a lot of. Uh, well, you got a lot of Brazilian jiu jitsu. Well, that's everywhere now. You got a lot of Brazilians out there too. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, just you know, South American, you know. Right. So Miami has a, a Miami, Fort Lauderdale. There's big Brazilian populations. Okay. There. So you got that, uh, and that's popular. And that's, that's popular. That's popular. That's popular from a combination of it being popular, and there's a lot of Brazilians. Okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they got top team there. They got some pretty good right. people there. Uh, Chinese martial arts, not too much. A lot of Tai Chi that's... Uh, Paul Lamb stuff, you know. The, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, The, yeah, the, yeah. the, 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 the guy he's a He's from of, Australia. Uh, he's from Australia, but he put that uh, program together with right. uh, Tai Chi for diabetes. Right, right. Tai Chi right. for that. Uh... You have that. You still got some old karate schools, Taekwondo schools, but Chinese martial arts. Chinese martial arts, not too much. Uh, So I mean, you
0: you you do have a somewhat uh, entity, a a school entity, and
1: yeah, oh yeah, every yeah every every place you go to, you'll see the schools that are. uh, It's getting to the point now, though, where you have the big schools, and then anybody that's teaching small. They're teaching at a dance school or something. They're, they're share no, renting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. And my one student, he's been in the play. I think, where has he been there? 25 years? He has a school, he does Okinawan martial arts. Okay. He's been there about 25 years in the same place. We have a couple work. And he can make live, it work? No, it, I mean, I think what it does, he just breaks even just enough. You he know? sells crack on the side. <laughs> he sells jewelry <laughs> on the side, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, again, it becomes, you know, it's a... It's, uh, it's a it becomes a hobby and you know you uh, you get to the point so it's a place to train and again it's socialization you know yeah and and then he's brought in people uh they're starting to do a little bit of the stick stuff so they got a filipino guy i
0: think that's the that seems to be the model that everybody follows you open up a fitness gym with an open area you've got a bunch of people that are coming there to do like gym workouts and then you've got a few different classes that you offer kali or a screamer something like that you've got a boxing teacher and you you got a BJJ coach, or you've got an MMA coach as well, and that seems to be the model that most people are following. And that's like, mm-hmm. that's, like that seems to be copy and pasted uh, mm-hmm, across. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it's sad to see so many formal chi- well martial arts formal schools just disappearing. Right. Well, we follow. got that
1: Chan Poi. He does a, a
0: Waleem. Yeah, uh, Waleem. He has
1: a Waleem temple. In still Orlando. going? Still he's, going? Yeah, still there. I drove past there, and he got a couple. He has one other. Uh, he has a, a student. I think he's. Uh, Chinese student. He's uh, he's about, I don't know, maybe about 20 miles north of me. He has a school going there. Uh, but I, I stay pretty much to myself. Yeah. The JKD, sort of, with a small group, he started, you know, I haven't taught at a school, or had a school, for like many, many years. Yeah, you know, okay. Taiji,
0: so you're not looking at, uh, I mean, apart from your, for your training, some students for training partners. Yeah. No. You're no, doing no. it for yourself. I'm yeah, just, yeah. Okay. I've been
1: doing it, to, I think around 1986, I sort of burn out on the whole I'm I am starting to get kids and this and that and I said, Whoa you know. I mean it is a lot of hard work though. Yeah. To yeah, teach a yeah. You know. Yeah. That you're teaching all the time and it's just like hey, you know, you think, Wow, I'm gonna be teaching all the time, I'm gonna be working out all the time, you know. You're and not but it gets done. to the point that where you're teaching more and doing more administrative stuff and, and then your training starts and I say, eh. So I sort of push back. You forget on.
0: why you did martial arts right, in the first place. Right,
1: right. So now it's easy. I don't belong to any organizations, I don't you know, yeah. I don't have to deal with any of that type of stuff. So I just do it for me. <coughs> right? it's, like, yeah.
0: it's actually interesting to watch how, while so many martial arts systems are struggling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is actually taking off.
1: Because yeah. everybody can practice it too. Again, I'm not saying it's like taekwondo, but I mean, you've got everybody.
0: Yeah, kids, male, kids, female, 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 old, old people, female, people old everybody. Old. everybody. Oh. People that want to compete, people that don't want to compete.
1: Right. Exactly. You know, no gi, you know...
0: But you could yeah. say that for almost any martial, martial but art. But they're
1: probably the most successful. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm,
0: they've got a good thing going for themselves. And one, that they've proven their effectiveness. Well, Well, that's it. So I think that's one thing. Uh, two, it's
1: structured. Very structured. Yeah. That's the thing. I think, I think that's the thing that, that really... Uh, when you have someone new that comes into there, and if it's not structured, and you're doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that, people just fall away. But when it's structured, they can see... If I go, you know, rung of a ladder. I yeah, can, yeah. If yeah. I can get it, I see. It, I mean, they feel they can do it. You know and I mean? And uh, instead of like, you know, this hit or miss. And a lot of people did that before. Yeah, know, yeah. You know, and then they, and then they go, oh, I can't do it. You know, where they, where they say, yeah, and the jujitsu. I mean, it, it, it's it's done everything. You know, it has it's proved its effectiveness. Yeah, it's very good training. You know, uh, I don't know in you terms of physical it. exercise, physical it's quite a good physical
0: workout. Right. Um, well, that's the thing.
1: When I have a, uh, one of my uh, my son, when I started him training, uh, I put him in wrestling. Okay. Put him in wrestling first, and then uh, I had him at the boxing gym. But I had a boxing coach. I didn't. It's like you can't teach your, teach your kid how to drive, right? Yeah. So I sort of had him do that, and then uh, so uh, I taught him a little bit. But yeah, he. Uh, but f- from having that, the the, the wrestling and uh, boxing and some of the other stuff he very natural that way he you know he, he was had, never structured I didn't, I didn't have him structured too i mean
0: i started my first martial arts was judo when i was <laughs> five or six years old and i did that for about two or three years and i still recommend for that age some type of grappling art. some type of little bit more physical a wow. little bit more wrestling slash grappling right kind of less less theoretical less too much detail you know more right. feeling right and more physical and let them figure it out and then and you really
1: can't get hurt all that at wrestling
0: right no not at that age. age
1: same weight class yeah you're not getting hurt all that much you know that, that's the thing that I see I see that I you know I always thought that if I could have it over again, right? We always look at it somewhere like that, you know. You, yeah, we um, hind, hindsight, hindsight is twenty-twenty, right? Yeah. You do a grappling arm. Yeah. Do a little western boxing. Don't get hit. I mean, that's why I always tell people: don't let yourself get hit. You know what I mean? And I mean, if you if you're not doing it for for a living, you should not really get hit in the head all that much. You know what I mean? So, and it does do damage to you. It's just a slower process of of. Yeah. of, of of doing things nowadays, I think if I would have to do it again, though, no. I would like to do some grappling type of stuff. Then just do um, some, uh, probably some like boxing and uh, Muay Thai. I think Muay Thai, the training itself, not yeah. maybe the the whole thing, but yeah, yeah. going to the Thailand and just getting you know, you know, jumping rope for you know, god, like you know, like eighteen rounds and then running and sparring. It's that Spartan right. type of training that yeah. the Muay Thai does, and then. You know, then everything else afterwards. But you just, I mean, like I said, my ankles, my hip, some of my elbow hurts. I can tell that's all from training wrong. Because back then it was just like, you know. Figure it
0: out as you go. <laughs> right,
1: right. And and you see things too. We didn't have a lot. You know, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't, we didn't have the internet. you didn't have a lot of books. So it was, everything was trial and error. You yeah. know what I mean? Trial and
0: error. I quite, you know, for me, it's, I have a slightly different perspective in terms of I mean I know that most of the weapon work I learn in Chinese martial arts mm-hmm. is not going to be directly applicable any time in the modern times of my living not 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 a big chance that I'll
1: <laughs> you'll have a spear anywhere or a
0: broadsword or you know but personally for me that was that's always been one of the key things one it's it's to keep mm-hmm. something alive two there's other benefits from its practice in terms of you know uh, other benefits but for me, that's actually a lot of fun. It's it's right, really right, right, interesting, right, right, right. and I think, you know, I think that's one of its values.
1: Really, it is. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to learning the spear more so than a straight sword. You know, at one time I, I learned a, it was the yang, but it was the uh, what was it thirty seven? It was a popular you know like the twenty four. Okay, a know, standardized yang. Standardized yang, for a straight sword. It's okay. Well, there's thirty two. Or it's a 32, that yeah, one, okay. I think it was a 32. So, you know, uh, the spear's a little different, very, very difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not <laughs> difficult, you know. It is and it's a, it's a physical workout. It, it's if you're using
0: difficult. a decent-sized right, 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 right. and decent-width spear, right, 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 it's a workout. Yeah, so yeah, yeah,
1: It's definitely a workout. A
0: traditional spear, you know, so, yeah
1: yeah so that's yeah that's that, that, that that's good and again it's a full body you feel yeah so
0: it's got to be a whole body otherwise your arms right, can't right, handle it right.
1: and, that, and that's a good thing and again like you says you know it's keeping it's keeping your tradition alive you know
0: yeah what are you looking to learn this time i mean you've arrived yesterday
1: uh let's see what i learned i i just go I, i'm to the point now i just i'll do the push hands do the form 16 posture form and just say whatever you want me to learn that's how I'm pretty that's much that's a good, good attitude that's how, I was yeah. always, how I've been well what do you think I'm a, you're a teacher tell me what I'm I want like. I mean
0: that's how I've always approached my right, te- right, my right, training right. with my teacher right. I mean I we always get foreigners that come through or people that don't live here and they'll come and train with him I, like, want this, this, I want this I this, want this. I'm like this is pizza hut's down the road <laughs> down the road here you'll learn whatever he wants to teach you. That's right, what t- right, right, right. but my teacher is slightly, you know, accommodating to to understand. Okay, right, right, you know, right, right. if they're ready or right. even close to ready, maybe he'll 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 accommodate there. But having this attitude is the right attitude. You'll learn what you need to learn when, when you, when need, you to learn. need to learn. And if you trust your teacher, as right, in he's right, got a good right, character, right. good personality, and good skill, right. he's not gonna he's not no, gonna mess no. you around. He knows this. Right. So yeah, he, he knows good. what I'm ready for. Right. Again, right. You know, so. Well, I mean, it's been a good chat. I mean, yeah. are there any last things you want to share with the yeah. listeners out there? Yeah. Is there a way that people can contact you if anybody's yeah, in your Facebook
1: neighborhood? Or, uh, what is
0: the name of your, your uh,
1: Orchid Island Tai Chi? research institute because okay. th- that's what i try to do when i come here to china is to research for my oh, personal yeah. thing you know what i mean we I,
0: didn't talk about that you were uh, writing a book
1: yeah I, i'm putting together i thought it was gonna be a lot easier it <laughs> yeah, <was>. it's never <laughs> as easy as you think a book. <laughs> so i've been doing some uh you know some uh interviews with some of the people uh, like your uh, uh, two of your kung fu uncles uh, okay uh Hello, man. Hello, man. Wang Tong,
0: Tong and Zhao Daiyuan, you interviewed them.
1: Inter- and uh, Kang Wu. Okay, Kang Wu, uh, yeah. Who that. was fan- uh, very very. Oh, they all were, they all were, Kang yeah. Wu was very good. Uh, and some of that was based upon, uh, it was my own personal, you know, you hear all this stuff on the internet, this guy did this, and Donggai Chuan that, and Bog was like this. I go to the... That's one of my main things. Yeah, go to the go source. Go to the source. Right. Like, when wow. I went to learn JKD, like, Ted Wong's the source. You know? Yeah. You learn uh, Taiji or something like Zhang Yun and, and, and Lu Shanley. They're the source. Yeah. You're going to get the information because their source is the other source. Right. Like the Wang Pei Shang's and the Bruce Lee's, so on and so forth. So, why? Like, so that, that, that's why. So, I went there and, and, and heard information from them and then... Uh, uh, went to uh, Yongnin, you know, in, Nian, and yeah, and okay. in Guangfu. right, and then I got to see. Uh, now I I have met this Daoist uh, uh, master at the White Cloud Temple. Okay, okay, he's been there. Uh, he's been there about forty some years. Was that all? So I've been. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, he was at the one for twenty. He started like he went to the first temple when uh, what is that? Uh, Laoshan Lo, Laoshan La, where was the yeah, yeah. It was Laoshan like, but it's
0: in the in, in, in the, the south. Okay, right, right. a little bit little He south. was there
1: for twenty years. Then he came here. He's been he's been at the White Cloud Temple for about twenty five years. Wow. So he yeah he started like when he was very young as an initiative. And I met him and he taught me some uh, like qigong, okay, qigong stuff and some taoyin um, kind of stuff yeah taoyin yeah. stuff yeah. and uh, young young sheng
0: yeah young shen just means health or health so, cultivation the yeah, well,
1: like, like young taiji right like okay. Stuff. It's a little weird right so uh there and then so now i'm going to interview him i'm going to ask uh, talk a little him a little bit more about like um the structure of the temple. you know how it's structured why it's structured the way it is the white cloud temple mm-hmm. there were like people like like uh people that were just passing through or on this side people that were permanent and sort of like a day in the life of a Taoist monk what he does okay you know I'm trying to demystify a lot right. of this stuff.
0: stuff get you know. down to the, the reality of reality
1: it of these guys aren't all doing kung fu and secret stuff flying flying and, flying and yeah. stuff like that and they have a lot of work to do I think and he told me about some of his stuff like he has some specialties like he could he did, like, martial arts, one of his, uh, enchanting. Right? Okay. And then he has another, uh, uh, like, a Taoist brother that's very good at calligraphy. So they sort of teach each other, you know? Okay. And, nice. it's, and it's sort of funny how, how he thinks, like, you know? Because we're martial arts people, and we're always thinking about martial arts. His is like, well, that's only part of it. Mine is to become one with the Tao. He, it's like, it's important, but these other things are important, too. Like, yeah. they have a very well-balanced way, so... Well, that sounds good know, yeah interview him a couple other people who, like said, who are
0: you still looking to interview do you have do you have
1: yeah i have him there's another guy uh there's another uh um Erme qigong guy okay and i'm looking at it. he's in beijing and that's the other thing too it's almost like it's the beijing group for some reason you know it's uh has that uh there'll probably be some other people that I, i'd like to look at but um. Well, what was
0: memorable from your interviews with uh, Kango I mean, you don't have to give too many details. Oh, yeah, oh, uh, uh,
1: just 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 his understanding. Some of the some of the stuff that he uh, he talked about. Uh, only someone who really wor- researched it and went and could know some of those things right. know, that he that he knew, and uh, just. Uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, he was talking about like, you know, he's talking about Donghai Chuan, like coming across a corner, like coming around the corner, you know, with 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 the tea and stuff. It's like sort of how like the the changes came along. And ah. stuff like that. It, he has some of that, and then uh, you know he he, he uh, says that he's the founder of it. No, I for was, sure, he's always this, said that this, through his this research. And this right, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he he makes the most sound <laughs> argument
1: <laughs> right, right, exactly,
0: and it's not based on pulling something out of his ass it's pulling, right. it's like looking at everything he could possibly look at, right. and that's his conclusion, and he can say why and uh, yeah, I mean, for me he's always been I mean he's a close friend of my teachers too. Right, right. He spent a lot of time with my family when he's researching uh, right. Bagua, so what they ended up getting
1: dong Hai Chuan's. uh Uh, Coffin and opening up
0: his tomb and (laughs) And measuring stuff, measuring stuff, measuring bones. I mean, the thing had been robbed already, but the bones were there. So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got to see the original, uh, uh, the site where his burial.
0: It's a a tomato plantation. It was.
1: Oh, at that time, yeah. At that time, yeah. I guess yeah. So I got to see that. So that was. I thought it was
0: corn at first, but I remember it was tomatoes. So different vegetable.
1: Yeah, so one of the things... See, the
0: tomato's round, so it kind of fits oh, no, in the circle. Right
1: <laughs> so that was good. And then, uh, who, who else we you We interviewed... Um, oh, what's that
0: Ah, okay, yes.
1: He had a nice school... Sun Jujun student. Right, Sun yeah. Jujun.
0: But he's very much focused on sport wushu, entertainment, and he did, of course... Sun he Jujun. does the traditional yeah, stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I think yeah. He had some. He had some pretty unique training devices. He had a, a big, stone solid stone ball okay. that he had on a table, and just rolling use it a, around. Yeah, he'd, use, you know, he'd be doing the young, you know, just pushing it.
0: Ah for okay. The Taiji. yeah Taiji. Okay. He
1: had a real nice school. He had a real. Uh, I've been to
0: his school. Oh, you have that. And then okay. they got an auditorium in the back. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my god. Uh, yeah. You yeah. Know, he
1: teaches a lot of kids.
0: Right, uh, but it's the only right, way now. Right,
1: right, right, right. He it's the only way. Kids. He teaches so. a lot of kids. He was very nice. Everybody seemed to be very nice. They were very nice. Wong Tong. Wong Tong. Yeah, he's very nice. Yeah,
0: he yeah, smokes a lot. You know what's funny? Well, you know what's
1: funny? <laughs> I was dumb. I was dumb. All these masters smoke, right? So I was more like a <laughs> single palm change oh right exactly splitting that's
0: the one thing you know like I was saying when we have tomb, 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 tomb sweeping festival and we go to the restaurant it's like I'm, I'm, I'm breathing like second hand smoke of 20 packs of cigarettes in one day you think about all these people they're these these enlightened masters of these so called health practices and we're getting shit faced and smoking they're all smoking cigarettes like chain smoking oh it's, man it was, yeah. there,
1: it was so funny
0: yeah, 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 yeah. The, by the way, the person who's speaking in the right. background is uh, Neil. Neil, he's uh, he's, he's also kung
1: fu brother.
0: He's yeah, he's Bill's kung fu brother here. He's also somebody he's trained with my master too. A right, bit right, bit right, right. So we're all kind of related. And uh, yeah, so yes, hi you Yeah, he's asking if my teacher Digoi still smokes cigarettes. Uh, very seldom, maybe yeah, three right. or four a day at most. So yeah. Which is good. It, he, that's enough. You know? uh, no, I not guess more that was a thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a social thing. That's right, what, right, 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 For right, that right. generation, it was a social thing. So right, well, right. What, what about the, the prospects of finishing this book?
1: Uh, it always m- morphs a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there was somebody that I think that I read about, uh, John Blofeld. Okay. That he wrote. He was, uh, he was in China in 1930s. And oh, okay. I know. He was English. He came here in the nineteen thirty. Can't recall his name, he re- but I yeah, remember. he wrote. He re- he became a pretty high level Buddhist. Lived in Thailand, but he was here in the thirties. He left during the Japanese sort of during the Japanese occupation. Then he came back in the forties again. Then he left in nineteen forty nine. But he writes about like it's sort of like the romantic things about. You know China here and he has some pretty good books on that okay you know, he he went and visited Daoist and he went and and, and that's sort of the things that I, I I do too when I come back to Beijing. I sort of read through his books and see these see if these areas still exist okay, you know what I mean see if these temples are still still around, there they're still there or, you know like today, what temple did I go gongji Gongji Quan the temple I went to I
2: went. no the
1: other one near my uh, near my hotel today. I was a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh okay. Yeah, yeah. So like, was that I, in one of his books? Huh? No, I just uh, it's, uh, he does outline a bunch of uh, things, oh. there. but he went in like Sichuan Province, yeah. and he was here doing like you know smoked opium, did this, okay, you know, all the all the little pleasurable things that you did in Beijing back then. So he sort of has that. And then he did travel and he went to Blood of Buddha. He wrote a lot of books on Buddhism and and, and a couple really good books on Taoism. Two books ago on. Have Dao you Dao. read
0: and Red Pine stuff? Uh,
1: actually Red Pine learned from him. Oh ah, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Because yeah. Red
0: Pine is doing did the same thing. Right, right. What right. did what um he wrote that book where he tramp, he went around Huashan Right. And okay. found all the hermits and hermits. Right. So, yeah, your, so the,
1: those guys yeah, sorta of that's sort of how now it's like morphing into like sort of like you're on you find these different people, these uh people that are seekers in a sense of different yeah. different things, you know. Like the religious thing. Like today, I went, I went, I went, I went to. I haven't been to church in a long time. But I went to a Chinese church today, right now. Really? Yet. Yeah. I went to Christian that. church. Christian church. It's been there 120 years, I think. This okay, interesting. Christian. So I like the his uh, the history of the Beijing. All oh, right, you know? right, right, right. So that, so your yeah. book
0: is you don't know what now, no no, no, yeah. no It's
1: sort of getting to be now my ju- first. It was going to be like more or less interview this guy. This is the truth, you know. Yeah. This is the blah 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 blah. Now it's sort of like my adventure. Or, you know, okay, well that's or, also good. Right, right, right. I yeah,
0: mean that's right. like Bill Porter. Right, right, right. right. Uh, Red Pine, same right, guy. Right. And I really enjoy I've got all of his books basically. Right. I've even got his translation of sutras, which are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, very good stuff. And
1: that's the thing too, I think in a martial arts you start to go that you just start to go that direction, more of a I don't want to say spiritual, but more of a uh, of, a, of a of a personal well business. it is
0: martial arts yeah. is a personal it's journey a
1: personal journey
0: right? yeah, that's good that's good yeah, that's well good. I'm looking forward to it whenever you release it so yeah. okay well it's been really good talking okay. to you okay. and uh, good. good luck with your with your training yeah. and uh, well you know we'll Which be in touch important. anyway alright alright